one, check two. Long Talk Radio. Showtime and zone cards. Uh, Bomb Gardner got her revenge with a clean win. What's next? Um, Andy Cruz made his uh, pro debut and looked pretty damn good doing it. All things considered, a lot of people had some uh, some uh, what would I say hypercritical things to say about him um, in his first fight, ten rounder against the old, old vet. We'll talk about it. Um, and then I said, that Showtime card, Frank Martin was in a tough competitive fight, and there was a clear path to victory, and it took him a while to take that route all the way. You know, he had some times where he was pushing Artem back, um, that round where he hurt him and, and, and really, you know, started taking over the fight, um, it was kind of interesting. You know, it shows that he can win in a variety of fashions, right? But even his, you know, trainer was like, hey, dude, you know, Derek James is like, dude, what, what are you backing up for? You know, like, go forward. It's time to go forward. And, and that was, like, a, like I said, a very obvious uh, way for him to win. You could just tell. And had he pressed the gas uh, pedal a little bit earlier, you never know. I mean, he for sure would have warmed down and had a cleaner win, but he may have got him out of there. Um, I am dealing with a little bit of uh, a background noise, if you can't tell. Um, it's a dog barking loudly. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Let's hope not much longer. Uh, hopefully you can't hear it. I am trying to you know, direction my mic so you can't, but we'll see. We will see. We'll talk about the undercard stuff as well speaking of the undercard for showtime and i'm talking about recap of course um that donaire santiago fight which looked to be at least on paper the closest fight that got bumped because jesus uh, ramos unfortunately got injured so we'll talk a little bit about um you know that like i said that undercard as well there was a um, pretty good performance by elvis rodriguez over postal he got the job done um, and then we'll look to this weekend 
Not a crazy weekend, that's for sure. But George Cambosas and Maxi Hughes uh, fight on ESPN. Uh, Keyshawn Davis, who has a lot to say online lately, uh, is on the card. And we'll talk about a little bit other, uh, you know, a couple other fights uh, from, you know, what's going to happen this weekend. Sorry, I'm really kind of distracted right now. Um, Devin Haney has some decisions to make. We knew that, you know, he had, we still didn't know if 35 or 40 or whatever, but we know he was, you know, getting offers from Regis Progray's side. Uh, well, not the side, whatever, from Matchroom. Um, we, we, we know Shakur and him were talking. There was some sort of offer made there. But now, thanks to Broadway Joel's Voice of the Dominican um, interview with Mauricio Solomon, we have some more clarity as far as the mandatory in the WBC. There is a deadline set. Shakur Stevenson is that guy. Kind of interesting, though, because he's ranked second, not first. Now, maybe they'll put out a new ranking. Um, that I don't know. But, um, you know, he's got he's to make a decision here soon. Haney, you know, is he going to pick Progray? Is he going to fight Shakur or at least enter in some form of negotiations? Well, I guess they are kind of negotiations. It's been kind of vague. And when stuff's so public, it, it, it can be frustrating. Right, and a lot of times it's a dead end when it's public like this. Uh, maybe Tank Davis and, and Haney will sneak up on everybody, and the WB, WBC will let that fight happen. Who knows? Um, so yeah, there is a lot to decide for him. Um, also, though, Haney did get arrested and charged with a gun charge in California. Um, speaking of arrest in jail and whatnot, uh, Javante Tank Davis is out of jail, coming out <laughs> coming out looking like uh, Mr. Shuttlesworth, uh, Jesus' father. Uh, um, and then, you know, Tiafimo, fake retirement. We knew it was happening, but he claimed his belt. He said, hold on now. Wait a second. Uh, Jermall Charlo had an IG post where it appeared allegedly that he had a couple few drinks um not the didn't really paint him in that great a light unfortunately it looks like uh you know he's been going through some stuff obviously and, and it appears pretty uh pretty open or you know pretty much the fact that that's true um but anyway we'll talk about a variety of stuff by the way did you see that broner <laughs> that Broner video, uh, getting it looked like he was getting Ubered or something, or a Lyft had a Lyft driver, Uber driver or something. And I'm not ripping him for that. Uh, I do that plenty, but um, <laughs> he was saying you got to fight. But the dude kind of looked like Bud <laughs> Crawford and oh, dude Broner. Man, there's a lot of say you know to say about him, but man, that dude's funny. You can't. You got it. Yeah, he. Uh, he was like, dude, you got you got a fight in two weeks, dude. What are you doing this Uber stuff for? It was it was pretty funny. Anyway, 
If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope and download the show directly there. You can find it. That's cool if you do, though. But you can find the Rope and Dope Radio platform under a host of other platforms, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Player FM, um, Spricker, uh, Google Podcasts, among several other platforms out there. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Eastside Boxing, and Phil Boxing. One more thing, Direct TV Stream, your TV, your way. Live sports news on and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. Get $30 off your first three months, starting at $64.99 plus tax for the first three months. Uh, start a free trial today. Also learn how to uh, new subscribers can join Priority Waitlist for a free TV from Telly. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So, like I said, we do have a variety of items to talk about. Um, and I hope that, you know, you can't hear that too much that's going on in the background, but we'll see. Um, hopefully we get this thing solved here soon. Um, but anyway, like I said, I like to start in the ring and let's start with Frank Martin, who was in a very competitive fight with Artsim. What was it? Uh, Hara, Hiaha, no, Haratunian, Haratunian, Artem Haratunian. I think that's how you say that. Um, I thought the first. I would say the first three rounds went to Archer. Um, he kind of surprised me because he brought the pressure. The first round was really close. There were some competitive and close rounds in this fight. But um, I was surprised that he came out, you know, bringing as much pressure as he did. Now, I'm not saying he was coming forward like Margarito. I'm just saying I thought he'd be more in the middle of the ring or maybe on his back which at sometimes he was in this fight. But uh, whereas, you know, you had Frank Martin more uh, defensive-minded, looking for counter shots. He landed a few here and there early and lead left hands. Um, But, yeah, the second round as well, you know, better lands overall, using his left jab, landing the left hook, a few right hands in there as well. Um, And some really hard shots, I thought, in the third round. the jab right hand, lead punches to the head and body. Thought he did a good job. I gave those first three rounds to him. Um, Like I said, I I thought the first round was pretty close, though. Um, And although Martin in that third round had a good start, he landed some hard shots, you know, found success later, I thought that's where he kind of picked up and got his stuff together because I definitely gave him the fourth. Although, you know, you had – Artem still active, but just not landing as many clean shots. And the cleaner shots were definitely Martin. And he started to be able to get, like, a counter, you know. Um, but I gave Artem the – the fifth round was close. He, I think he landed the better shots. I'll say this. It was kind of getting kind of sloppy in there, a little head clashy, if you know what I mean. Um, but I gave Martin the sixth. Um, left hands, like, buzzed him, I think. And, and then a left hand, straight left hand and left hooks. Um, 
some good good body work too. But that that kind of he had him buzzed in that sixth round. Um, and throwing hard combinations, and you know some lead right by Artrum to close out just to be like, hey, I'm still here type stuff. But overall, um, I definitely gave Martin that round. Now the seventh round. That's one of those question mark rounds. I couldn't tell you exactly who won that round. I thought it was pretty close. Um, you probably say um, Haratunian was busier, um, and he did land some good punches, especially late to the body. But I thought Martin's footwork was pretty good. He was pivoting well. Um, but it did seem like all right, dude, you know, you need to push him back like you did in the sixth round. You, you need to, you know, not every fight you're going to be able to win the same way. And like I said in the in the start, ultimately he did show he could do it. He closed the fight really well. But it did take him a little while to do it. Um, so I thought the seventh could go either way. I thought the eighth was really close. I gave it to Martin. I thought he landed the better shots, but he was close. Um, the ninth, once again, Went back to uh, um, Haratunian. You know, for me, he was just busier. Uh, he was landing better. And, and, it, and then Martin, on top of not being all that active, um, he wasn't jabbing enough. He was kind of pawing with it, trying to push down the gloves to get his shot. Looked like he was just trying to land too perfectly, you know. Um, but, like I said, to give him credit, by the 10th round, finally, Derek James was like, dude, you're going to lose this fight. You know, you're down on the cards. It's time to go forward, dude. No back step. And, of course, you're going to take a step back or step to the side or whatever. But, you know, he really needed to press the pace. And to his credit, he did. Like I said, I gave him the last three rounds. He turned up the pressure, finally throwing his jab more, like, meaningful and just meaningful punches in general. Um, the 11th round definitely buzzed him late, almost the knockdown, almost the knockdown. He was definitely busy overall, though. Um, and then, what was it, a big left hand to the head. Um, and then there was, was it, was that, wait a second, was that in the 11th where his eyes started closing, or was it the 12th? I can't remember, but pretty rapidly, I think it was in the 12th, his, his eye just started you know, Artem's eye just started closing. You could see him kind of blinking a lot. And it got to the point where he actually took a knee. Um, and you could see he kind of looked definitely bothered, maybe hurt by it. Um, and he took a knee to go 10-8. And, you know, clearly it was strategic. Uh, but like I said, overall, I think if Martin, after that sixth round, there was really no excuse not to come forward. But you know, maybe you gave him the seventh, maybe you didn't, but either way, he kind of gave it away. He definitely gave away the uh, the ninth round. So those are two rounds right there that he could have had a, a cleaner win. Um, so I had it 6-6. Six, six. Um, I was fine with like 6-5 either way, to be honest with you, uh, or 6-5-1, I should say. Um I wasn't in a big hurry to give either guy seven rounds, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm just looking at my scorecard right now. Although, you know, he got off to a really good start, 
even if you gave him three out of the first four rounds, which I don't think that's crazy, uh, Archim, I'm talking about. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I was pretty okay with 6'6". Six, six. If you would have told me 7 to 5 um, or 6 five, one or something, and, and Martin, you know, loses it, well, the 6 five, one, he wouldn't have lost. It would have been a draw because, obviously, there was a knockdown. But my scorecard was okay with 6'6 six, six and a 114-113 for Martin. Um, and two scorecards, well, one of them had it, a, you know, that exact thing, 114-113, so the knockdown came in there. And then the other one was 7-5, 115-112. And like I said, I don't really think he, Martin, um, won seven rounds. But I'm not saying, I just don't know if it's one of those fights. Like, I can understand that 7-5 either way. Okay. You know, but that's the max I would go. I don't believe either guy won the eight rounds, to be honest. And I had it a draw, basically. Um, or maybe, you know, um, Haratunian, you know, 7-5 or 6-5 won. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have Martin winning seven rounds, but I was okay with it because at least they were a draw in two seven five cards, you know. Um, Martin, the work he did in those last three rounds, and really, I guess, uh, besides the ninth round, the eighth round was close, but I did give him uh, four out of the last five rounds. So that caught him up just in general, obviously, but it also caught him up on the copy box because all of a sudden you look and it's 167 to 117. So that is a sizable landing gap, I guess you could say, 539 to 442. Like I said, he was much busier to, to close the jab. Um the body work, you know, he definitely did, you know, some good body work and whatnot. I just thought the Martin, it took him a while to get his jab. And, and this guy's awkward. I knew he was pretty defensive. I knew he could move his head. Uh, I knew he had some skills. You know, it is one of those that kind of looked better than it did look on tape, I'll say, once I saw him against a top-level um, lightweight. He looked a little better to me uh, than what I saw on tape. But like I said, for me, Martin really needed to just push forward in this fight. And I think life would have been a lot easier for him. But for whatever reason, he uh, he just wouldn't push forward. And I guess we kind of got to look at the next time. And I'm, maybe it's going to be his next fight, maybe a fight three fights from now. But the next time he has a path to victory, and that path, and I'm not talking about when someone's hurt and jumping on him, because he did that. But I'm saying once established in that sixth round, I believe, that if he pushes forward, and whether he uses jab or not, but just throw punches and go forward, he was going to win the fight. He was going to wear this guy down. And like I said, he may have gotten a stoppage. If that eye thing would have happened a round or two earlier, you saw him already take a knee. Clearly there was an issue, and then you saw after, you know, usually with those uh, those eyes puff up like that, you could see how quick, I mean, you look in the interview, the eye was already shut. So um, I thought I really want to see the next time that Frank's in that scenario that there won't be any hesitation. And like I said, I'm not a guy that, you know, I consistently say this, I'm not saying he had to go out there and just, balls to the walls, just throw a bunch of punches and wear himself out. That actually wasn't the case. It was just 
upping the activity, throwing the jab rather than pawing with it, but really just backing him. However you do it, just back him up. And when he had him on the move and worrying about stuff defensively, like I said, you could see him wear down. And he didn't even do it for, what, three or four rounds. The three rounds or whatever he did it for, he was dominant in those rounds. And those were the cleanest rounds. I think I'll say this, like, of course, score, you know, scorecards are, are round by round, as we know. Um, but if you look at who had the most dominant rounds, those three for me were definitely Frank Martin. But, you know, I give his opponent credit. I definitely want to see him back. He was ready to fight a couple people. He was ready calling out Gervonta and, and everything. So um, it was a really close fight, though. Really close. And, and, you know, so what's next for Frank Martin? Um, is it De Los Santos? It, it makes sense. It's a title eliminator. Obviously, some of this will depend on um, what Dev Haney does. You know, if he decides to go to 140, obviously Shakur is going to be in line for a vacant belt, it appears, because, you know, there's a deadline now um, for Shakur. So to become the mandatory, at least, you know, for it to be called. And a lot of times if that happens, um, they make a fight. And then generally, not all the time, but generally if you're, a, if you're a vacant champ, and obviously, like I said, it depends on what kind of revenue you bring in. <laughs> but if you're a vacant champ, like if you come in there and you win a vacant champ, a lot of times they already have your Mando lined up a little weird, but this was a title eliminator, or I think it was a final title eliminator, but we know they can play games with that too, but De Los Santos to me makes a lot of sense um, if Isak Cruz doesn't fight Gervonta next, then that makes sense um, you know maybe people won't want to see it, but if they did a rematch of this fight, it was definitely close enough for me I would be just fine with that. I know people won't be, you know, jumping for joy out of that one, but the dude freaking definitely deserved it. He fought like, uh, you know, fought really well. He, he definitely superseded it. And when it comes to Frank Martin in general and his opponent, Artem, it's kind of like I think we we kind of undervalued this guy. And I think some people are overvaluing Frank Martin a little bit. You can have competitive fights. You can have close fights. Maybe he even had his guard down a little bit. This guy was awkward. He was a game dude. He could move his head. Um, like I said, he surprised me in the early rounds, actually bringing you know, some pressure to Martin. That kind of surprised me. And, and Martin really never got his counter game going. In, in the fight, not a lot anyway, not like he normally does. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see where he goes. Um, we'll talk about, you know, Elvis Rodriguez and that prospect and, and then Baumgartner getting revenge and, and Andy Cruz making his debut and whatnot. Of course, we'll talk about some fight news. All this kind of blends into, you know, what, what could be next because, you never know. Shakur, the WBO might call Shakur and Loma for a belt. And they take that and that, like I've went over this before, that kind of knocks people out of the rankings. And then, you know, you never know. Martin and uh, De Los Santos could be for the vacant. And then they have a, a Mando ready for him. It, it's tough to say because it really matters 
what Devin Haney's going to do. Um, we'll see. At least we have a little clarification of deadlines, though. But him and Regis Progress, speaking of Haney really quick, him and Regis Progress have been back and forth. Him and Shakura has been back and forth. Uh, I don't know. We'll talk about that later, though. Like I said, let's stay in the ring. Let's go ahead and bring in John into the fold and get his opinion on this fight and the other fights from the weekend. What's going on, John? How you doing? Chris, how's it going? Not bad, man. Not bad. How are you doing? Good, good. He's just listening to your recap of the Frank Martin fight, uh, which ended up being a tighter fight than most expected going in, including myself. But it was really a lot, as you said. We just we just didn't know that much about the opponent. He wasn't uh, really well-known in the U.S., and didn't really seem to see many UK fans that were particularly familiar with him either. He did have an amateur pedigree and he proved to be a bit more of a difficult boxer maybe than we would have expected, but maybe looking at the pedigree, you could have expected a little more again, like you were saying, not really necessarily ready to downgrade Frank Martin, but I do agree with you in the sense that, performance in terms of intangibles where he needed it appeared he might need to press late in the fight I would say he needed to at least press late in the fight because as you pointed out when you look what he did over the last three rounds and then especially the last two he he did hurt him he got the official knockdown when he took the knee and that looked to me like enough to pull out the fight because then even if you had it 6-6 Martin scored the knockdown. He gets the win there. And, you know, it's the type of fight where he could have been up in terms of round 7-5 plus the extra point for the knockdown. So he really had to reach deep, but I was okay with the final result. But, you know, like you said, he he really didn't do that over the entire fight. And... um one th- one rule as years have gone on that I I kind of look at is you don't want to overrate intangibles either. I mean, people kind of like it because it seems like a, a justice of life. If you know this guy's kind of tough and he showed some intangibles, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that doesn't matter, but I think what people forget is intangibles only come in in fights that are close. You know what I mean? When when one or both fighters has to reach down, uh, the, 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 when you're when you're more talented in terms of your boxing skills and ability than somebody else, most of the times the intangibles aren't going to come in because you're going to be too dominant over that opponent. So what I'm getting to is, yeah, we would have expected a little more from Martin. I I like the intangibles he showed down the stretch, really pushing the pace scoring a big knockdown, even if it was the other fighter taking a knee, hey, that's his problem. And I think it's a reminder that a lot a lot of fans will say, oh, why, why didn't the guy just take a knee? And it's not always a good strategy like people make out. I mean, especially in the current era, we've talked about before how scoring has kind of evolved unofficially where any kind of knockdown is now being made a 10-8 round. It doesn't really matter with most judges what happens the rest of the round 
it's going to be a 10-8. It, it doesn't matter if the fighter wasn't really hurt. I'm not saying I agree with that or that's the right way to score it, but that that's what you're getting you know, 90, 95% of the time. So you may very well, have, in, in terms of whether he should have won or not, it may have cost him the, the fight. So uh, big finish by Martin, like you said, getting the eye, closing. Um, but like you said about the countering, Chris, I – I was looking at it kind of like an accuracy thing. I, I suppose if I'm Frank Martin, he's going to say in his own defense, hey, obviously I was landing something. The, the, guy, the guy went down, and the guy was backing off. He was in serious trouble. I mean, I thought Martin might get that stoppage, even in the 12th. I mean, it really, it really looked like he was coming on strong enough to get that stoppage. So, you know, he, he would be able to defend himself saying, hey, I had some accuracy. But, but I'm with you, like when you are saying about the counters, like, what I saw missing from this fight to some degree compared to Martin's better performances, and he's been on a roll as of late as well going into this fight, didn't seem like his shots were quite as accurate. You know, they weren't weren't landing, like, right on the button like he has been doing in, in recent fights and with combinations. It, it just seemed like they were just, just, a, just a little bit off, not quite, not quite as clean, and that might have in part being, you know, being in with an opponent who had, who had some amateur pedigree, who, who did show some skills, but um, was not the decisive KO type of performance that Boots Ennis put the week before. And I, I made the comparison. I think it's valid that Martin was somewhat in a similar situation. He's in a traditional division with some big money uh, producing names at the top. That's all good for boxing, you know, welterweight, lightweight. So I love that. Martin has been on a roll. You would have hoped for him to, against a relatively unknown opponent, even if he showed some skills, to get get a stoppage, an impressive stop. He threatened to do that over the last two or three rounds, but he didn't get it, and, you know, the rest of the fight wasn't that impressive. So I think – it can happen. I mean, success isn't always linear either. You learn that in life the more you go on. Uh, like, in other words, not a huge setback or anything, but, but not the not the impressive performance to keep him on the study upswing that I think we would have hoped with how good he's been looking lately. But, you know, Martin himself does not have an amateur pedigree. So that's sometimes when you look at style matchups, you know, it, it, again, it could be something to look at in his favor down the road. He, he he got by, he pulled out the win against a guy that had some amateur pedigree, and, and he, he doesn't have that. So, you know, maybe if you want to say, again, something in Frank Martin's favor, you say to come out, for him to come out with a win against a guy like that um, might be something that keeps him going forward. But it, it wasn't the real decisive, impressive performance we were hoping for, but I like what you suggested with the De Los Santos, and I think you can even forget the alphabet stuff because PBC's got both those guys. It's a good style matchup. They're both on a roll. Uh, if if the, neither of them can get Javante Davis right now, who is the top money man in the division, even though you have Haney and Stevenson there and Haney as the true champ, uh, it's still Javante Davis is the money guy, and he's with PBC. You and I have said for a long time, and it, it's getting real close now, that we felt like they were going to make that Isak Cruz rematch, and I think we're going to see that in the fall. That's my that's my gut feeling between Javante Davis and Cruz. So 
the other guys, you know, they should want to force a Davis fight, so to speak. And they're both with PBC if they have a decisive performance against either one against each other, you know, that, that could get fans, especially who are watching PBC shows regularly, because I do agree with the thought that while it's unofficial and you have crossover here and there, you know, boxing really is like it has its own divisions or leagues. You know, you have PBC, you have top rank, and then you have the, the matchroom to zone. So, uh, you know, P- regular PBC fans, if De Los Santos or Martin looks really impressive, when they fight each other, if they do, you know, you, you could be forced, forcing your way into a big money fight with Trevante Davis because, again, you forget the alphabet stuff. There wasn't any alphabet belt of any kind of significance on the line when Trevante Davis fought uh, Brian Garcia. It didn't matter. You know, he, he's a money guy. So if De Los Santos and Martin look good enough that people want to see him against Trevante Davis – you know, PBC can make those kind of fights happen, but I think it'll be Davis Cruz first. So it makes sense to me. Good opportunity for those two guys to keep their momentum and try to do their best to force themselves into a Javante Davis situation. You know, for Haney, I'm kind of waiting. Is he is he gonna is he gonna stay? You know, still fight with top rank? Is he gonna make a some kind of move with Hearn? I I think he should point towards even though it's a tough assignment. I actually think he should point towards the Stevenson fight because if he goes with top rank, they can make that. And, you know, he's he's gotten good paydays, but in terms of becoming a pay-per-view star, the 150K showing against Lomachenko is not going to do that for you. Uh, now, you know, you might say he can build up, but you got to have opponents to do that too. So, you know, Shakur Stevenson's numbers are trending upward. I, I think Shakur's on the right track, really, in terms of boxing business. When he's saying, "Hey, this guy needs to get in with me," my you know my numbers are going up. Uh, you gonna have to be realistic about the money. I know Haney's got the real title, but I think you ought to think about it. I mean, what, what's a what's a pro gate what's a pro grade fight on the zone going to do with with the way the zone's going, or even if they do a pay per view, it's not going to do it's not going to do much. Boxing fans are going to talk about it some, but it's it's not going to do a lot. It's not going to do as much as Haney Lomachenko. So. Like let's 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 keep some let's keep some perspective uh, there. But uh, Frank Martin, it's good that he escaped, but didn't wasn't a real standout performance except for the the intangibles and maybe going against the guy with amateur pedigree, where he doesn't have that uh, getting getting an assignment like that and sneaking past it. Yeah, and a couple things. Um... You know, he had been out of the ring since December, which nowadays isn't a whole lot for, for fighters, but, you know, he only has, he doesn't have 20 fights yet, and he did fight three times last year. He fought in uh, December, or sorry, January, uh, July, and December. So maybe, you know, that extra couple months, maybe that did something for a little bit of the fight, but still, he just needed to come forward more. Um, one key thing that I, it was, Nice knowing, I guess you could say. I mean, I still believe they're, you know, that Isak Cruz, like you said as well. The one thing, though, at least, in it, you know, it was, this has been verified that they did offer Isak Frank Martin, you know. So they offered him the fight. 
So at least PBC and the Showtime side of it were like, hey, let's have them do this. So, you know, if Isak then wins that one, then, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, hang on. He did. He was competitive in the first fight, no matter what kind of injuries happened. Because hey, the injury could happen in the second fight too. Who knows? But at least that's a positive. You know, like they're not thinking. Hey, maybe they're thinking that ultimately. But at least they were like they weren't afraid to put him in with Frank Martin first to prove it. You know, because I think that's what fans really want. Um, actually, before this little waiting game. You know, there was a nice little hardcore segment that was all Isak Cruz, especially when he fought whatever, 7-5 to five in that fight or whatever with Javante. And, and uh, you can tell as far as, like, you know, fans when he gets announced uh, now and, and when he's out and about at fights, I mean, he does get swarmed. The, the popularity is growing, but it is frustrating because you're like, you know, you hear him turn down multiple fights. Uh, and I get it, you know, and, and a lot of us that we can say from the sidelines, hey, just fight someone better. Um, but, you know, we probably do the same damn thing. But at least the powers that be that ultimately control most of it, sure, if Gervonta wants to fight someone, he can fight someone because he's a money man. But overall, usually the powers that be are, are you know, who moves the – the, the maneuvers around and, and at least they did offer Isak Frank Martin. So, I mean, that, that's kind of like, okay, well that, that at least makes me think that, but you know, Isak's true side is thinking, Hey, we'll fight Javante. Then we'll fight all those people we want you to do. You know? right. We'll fight all those guys, but let's just fight Javante first. And on the back end of that, uh, then we'll go down the row, you know, the murders row that you want us to do or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, maybe that length of time uh, played into it. But, like I said, and, and maybe that explains how uh, he wasn't sharp with the counters. Okay, sure. But um, I do want to see what happens, John, when Frank Martin's in that same scenario and Derek James is telling him, you got to go forward, dude. you got to do it. No back steps, just go. Um, and, it, and it took him to the 10th round to do that 10th, 11th, and 12th. So that will be kind of interesting. Obviously, on paper, uh, boxing odds-wise, the closest fight was Donaire and Santiago. Now, that got bumped, and they're both very happy about it. I saw Donaire being pretty happy about it. I'm sure they're not necessarily happy to stay around the weight that much longer, but it's definitely a bigger spot on the undercard of Spence and Crawford. And that was because Jesus Ramos got hurt and in fact the uh, what was it Faust Victor Faust got hurt as well um, so he's off the card um, so didn't, didn't know didn't know about that because I'm sorry I'm sorry to hear that okay. because I, I was really looking forward to that undercard and, and that was the guys I wanted yeah. to see I wanted to see Faust and Havnizin and I wanted to see Jesus right. Ramos take on Garcia so I mean PBC they really did the right thing. I was pumped that they were given. I thought the undercard was a lot better than others. I, I was pumped for it, but that, that's yeah, a deflator for me. I liked me. it a lot. Even, even with Donaire coming on, I really, of course, I'm going to watch it. But, yeah, I, I hadn't heard that, and I always follow the stuff, but that, that's a bummer. Uh, I, I heard about Donaire going to the Crawford card, of course, but I didn't see. I didn't hear why like you did, and uh, that's, that's, a, that's a bummer. Um, 
I'm, I'm still going to enjoy Spence Crawford, but that is a that is a slight buzzkill for me. I I, w- I was pumped for that undercard. Yeah, yeah, it's it kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, but I, you know, I guess um, you know Jesus Ramos. That really sucks for him, man, because uh, that's a that's you know that's a big uh, big deal uh, to be on that card and whatnot. It was against a solid opponent, um, and now this prospect is going to come up and fight Garcia, and he's he's like five or six fights. This dude's taking a big risk. Uh, but we'll talk about that some other time. Well, next week, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I do like that Donaire-Santiago fight, but I, I know what you're saying. I, I kind of liked how it was set. Um, at least they got a quality, you know, replacement, and, and they, they're going to be ready, that's for sure. But, yeah, it, it does uh, it does suck, man. That's a, that's a rough one. Um, we had Elvis Rodriguez and Victor Postal. Uh, it, it kind of felt like Elvis was going down the same path and not throwing enough punches, but he did ultimately get over the hump and, um, you know, got the stoppage and whatnot. Um, kind of felt a little early until, you know, Postal just kind of walked it off. Um, you know, he didn't really uh, didn't really complain too much about it. He kind of looked like, really, dude? But then that was it. He didn't, didn't really have much to say. Um he was kind of bumbling and stumbling. He had t- there probably well should have been a knockdown actually, um, and maybe he could have got a look at him. But he did touch. It appeared he, he they didn't show the exact touching of the glove like the close up, but it appeared that he had touched the glove. And, and the, uh, the broadcast team had, had said that. So, um, but yeah, you know, for a while there, Postal, you know, jab few shots to the head, few shots to the body, nice little late, uh, late right hand in the first round. The second round I thought was pretty close. They were both jabbing, not doing a whole lot as far as throwing power shots. Um, I thought Rodriguez won the third. I thought he finally started landing his one-two, and, and he kind of knocked uh, Postal off balance. So, uh, you know, there was a nice, I think, right hook too late. Uh, but then Postal was like pivoting, jabbing, and once again, Elvis just not moving his hands enough. Uh, in the fifth round, the last minute or so, uh, Elvis got the better of an exchange. I think it was a roundhouse right, if I remember correctly. He landed some hooks to the body. Um, and that, for me, kind of turned it around. It was like, okay, hang on. It looks like he's coming alive. And like I said, he landed. He was body punching really well. Right hooks, left uppercut. I think it was a right hook that knocked him down. In the sixth, Postal's mouth slash nose was bleeding. And then some early right hands, and he was kind of – Postal was kind of running away from him and off balance. I guess that's what they – wasn't doing much in response or whatever. and Maybe that's why they stopped it early or whatever. But um, didn't get a whole lot of it. I mean, yeah, we got almost seven rounds, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, the first, I'd say, three to four rounds were kind of iffy for Elvis – uh, but he really turned it on and, and ended up getting a win that he so badly needed. Um, and then you had, uh, I think they were just going with uh, Freddie Rojas, um, even though I think it was Freddy's. I think it was Fr- Fruity's, but I think they call him Freddie Rojas. He got a you know pretty clean, easy uh, you know win. I think it was the first time he went past four rounds, if I remember correctly. So at least he got some rounds in or whatever. 
um, against uh, Diego Santiago. But he looked pretty good turning, I think, what is he, 11-0 and now with 11 KOs. What did you think of Elvis Rodriguez in that fight? I, I thought he did do what I expected him to do. I thought he would KO Postol, uh where they both were at their career in this point. Rodriguez had surged since he got dominated by Sims, and Sims has proved to be for real. He got his game together. You know, He had a great amateur career. Then he was a disappointment, got the big upset win over Rodriguez, but he built on it. And, uh, you know, has looked very impressive since. In fact, extremely impressive. So uh, that loss, in hindsight, didn't look too bad for Elvis Rodriguez, and he's fought very well since as well. And, you know, Pastol's a tough guy. You know, uh, not a lot of pop and and getting older, past his best, very tall for the weight. And, you know, he's he's got some amateur background. He knows how to fight. I I think it was a good, solid win for Rodriguez. I think he maintained his momentum. Uh, He really has completely gotten his career back on track since the Sims loss and moving over to PBC. And, you know, now he's in – He's in really good position. Uh, I think, you know, it's a, it's a little bit, uh, you know, thinking of some things I've had some debates with that came up with this card uh, indirectly was one is, you know, top, top ranks released a lot of guys who've gotten regular ESPN exposure. You know, one of them uh, being Elvis Rodriguez and, look, you know, PBC's picked up, used him. He's been rebuilt. Now, they picked up Joseph Adorno. He hasn't had as much success in the win column, of course, but you know, they've, they've been able to use him in showtime fights. Uh, his last one wasn't as competitive, but you know, he'd, he'd had some competitive ones, including against Elvis Rodriguez. Um, you know, Hearn, he picked up a guy like Berlanga, who you know, hasn't looked great, but I mean, Berlanga got some ESPN ratings uh, and his own has no way of really getting anybody any kind of exposure like that. So there's some value there. So I, I'm not sure exactly what top rank strategy there is. You know, it seems like when, when you get a fighter, you're, you're picking what fighters you're going to have getting some, you know, mainstream regular TV exposure. That's the build. And you want to take advantage of that. Even if you're going to have them fight one of your other guys. Um, so curious strategy there by, by top rank and, and PBC's, you know, picked up some of the guys and, and Hearns, you know, Hearns pick, picked up some of them too. And they're really even more valuable to Hearn, but PBC certainly found a use for guys like Elvis Rodriguez. And it looks like the reaction to Rodriguez's loss to Sims was a mistaken panic move. So uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good talent, talent evaluation by PBC there. And then the other thing is, I appreciate him engaging. I, I was tweeting out the day of the fight about the late concern about the late start time in the East, which turned out to be valid, Chris, because I think I was getting groggy at that point. But even though it was a great rally by Martin at the end, but I mean that that was close to one o'clock in the morning in the East, if I'm recalling correctly. I know it was real late, so yeah, you're, you're losing a lot of people. But Stephen Espinosa to his credit, jumped in the discussion and was saying there's reasons for the late start time. And I figured that, 
I mean, if you go to a fight in Vegas, and this was in Vegas, there is something with the flow of the casino. You get the feel where, you know, they want buzz in the casino before the card and after the card, which, you know, you can do in Pacific time on the West Coast like that. But, but again, I, I still think, look, TV drives, TV drives sports in the year 2023, TV streaming, especially – the value is those are live events. That's what makes them value. As we've gotten to the streaming age, it's not like it was in the old days. Like, you know, in the old days, HBO or Showtime, if they wanted to show a movie at 8 o'clock, I mean, that was the only time that movie was on being shown. Now now you have all in-demand streaming. In other words, there's no need to be locked right. into a movie. At, it, it's out of date. It, it truly is. And and the reason live sports have survived is because they're one of the only antidotes to streaming where you can, because the viewer doesn't want to find out who won before they watch it. Um, so they watch it live or, or and they can lock in their start purposes. times. Right. Or for betting purposes, they do, they want to see it live. They want to bet on it. You know, now that I think it's 38 States now have legalized sports betting. It's going up really quick. So, um, so it, I still am going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm not on the inside with, with Steven Espizosa. I'm, I'm really glad he did chime in. That's cool and helpful. I thought it was definitely worthy to bring up, but I, I still got to just still say from the outside, it's out of date. You know, there's got to be, there really does have to be some change here. And, you know, ESPN's doing the same thing with the top rank cards. You're giving away too much population in the East, even for their purposes of showing live sports. I mean, where they're trying to maximize that in this streaming era, live sports is a you know a unique event. I mean, that's what's kept baseball, even though it's finally starting to fade. The regional sports that were a lot of them are going under. They don't want to pay what they were, but that was what what kept baseball afloat TV wise. Not so much the big national deal you know, like with ESPN, Fox, but, but the regional, like, in other words, that was the that live, networks, program, yeah. live programming every night on the regional networks. I mean, that keeps them going because baseball plays 162 games. So live sports, you know, not, you can't just stream it after the fact or whatever you want. You got to watch it live. So, um, cause, cause that, that has value to advertisers, you know, that's where you can still put ads on now, you know, Showtime's premium cable. So, little different there but you're losing you're losing viewers and as we said a million times it is just a fact i mean DraftKings for one is all over the ring now and all you know pbc fights the zone so they care i mean if they didn't care they wouldn't be all over there so that that's kind of good for boxing i mean it, it tells you people are betting on boxing but you know that that's where it, they want to bet on it and watch it. You know, if you're in the East and, and Frank Martin's rallying and it's one o'clock in the morning in the East, I mean, there's people, even if they're trying to stay up, they're falling asleep. So I, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's time now that we're in the streaming era. That, that to me is like the last excuse is gone now. I mean, there's, there's just no reason not to get some of these fights. No good reason to, to me to not get some of these fights started earlier uh, in the East. And I and, and just I'll chime in Rojas. I like the way Rojas looked. There's nothing at middleweight, so I would have liked to. I thought he looked like he had the ability where he could have maybe gotten a, you know, a stoppage earlier in that fight. But the guy looks good all around, and 
there's just nothing in that division right now. So uh, I do I do like what I see of the guy. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think you can add him to another, you know, rising prospect. And within the next year, you'd assume um, that he would be in contender range, especially <laughs> because there's not much range. Uh, like you said, there's, there's not a whole lot um, at middleweight. Uh, no matter what that ESPN guy said, he's talking about 160 as if it's not yeah, that, that was, that was crazy. But, yeah, that was crazy. But PBC, they've got to feel good. They got Rojas and they got Elijah Garcia, and they got right. Circassian, and they got Circassian. So I will go that far. Um, I think you do have to. And these are the underrated that. ones, John, that always right. seem to pop up. You know, we they always hear well. Well, this this side's got the prospect. It's like, yeah, those are good good ass prospects too. But it's sometimes these underrated ones turn out to be the best ones, and they're not sitting as old as people say. Is what I'm is what I'm trying to get at. Because like you yeah, said, you I, just I mentioned those, like three or four guys. I, I will project. I, I mean, I think those three guys. You, I mean, look at that division. I mean, I, those three guys have the potential to take over that division, and they're all PBC. I'm not just saying it because they are PBC. I'm saying that's what I see, you know, watching in that division. So um, I think PBC and, and, you know, Heyman and PBC and Steven Espinosa and Showtime, they're smart enough to know those things. I mean, they're probably behind the scenes looking and saying exactly that. Hey, you know, we got Circassian. We got Elijah Garcia. We got this Rojas kid coming up. Because, you know, how they, which is a good TV strategy and promotional strategy, all the promoters are doing it now. You know, they kind of target a division when they see they've got some talent there because then they can make the fight and get the attention. So I I think that, you know, Steven Espinosa, Al Heyman, you know, they're going to know that that they've got some guys that that they can – and they got Adamas. So, you know, they they know that they've got the guys. That's true, yeah. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Another guy that and Charlo could rest back in there. They got both Charlos, you know. Right, that's right. I mean, you know, one maybe one or both Charlos comes back in there. So division's bad right now, but they but they've got something to work with and and some good fights to make with those guys that we've mentioned. If they could just drag back Danny J. Okay, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay. Um, go, go <laughs> I love Danny go watch, Jacobs. Uh, Go watch, go watch Jacobs Rosado again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of remind you, like, actually, no, you know, he's past it, and that's yeah. okay. You know, he's healthy at least. You know, yeah, um, he had a good career. Exactly, very good career. I just <laughs> give him a little stick. Um, okay, so a lot has been discussed about a pro debut Andy Kurz against Juan Carlos Burgos still hasn't been stopped yet, John. I don't think he'll ever beat. No, maybe he will. Hopefully he doesn't hang around that long. Um, so Andy Cruz, to me, you know, it's not like he uh, lost many rounds in this puppy. He was in total control. There were some times where it got slow, and there'd be, there'd be like the last 20 seconds flurry or something like that. I'll say this. The first few rounds, he was actually a little bit more active with two and even three punch combos than I thought he'd be. You know, I was thinking, all right, I've seen this guy in the amateurs. I didn't, I didn't, I thought he'd be a little tentative. 
Now, he got a little tentative later in the fight, and he, he did slow down, no doubt. He, he, it's like from rounds five to eight, maybe six to eight, it was like there was a notch down, I'll say that. He wasn't following up with something. It started to get a little slower. Um, but I think he, he kind of stepped on the gas a little bit, a light pedal. Uh, maybe, you know, didn't get the fifth gear, obviously. But to me, I thought I liked, you know, the trans the stuff that's going to translate right away, him moving the, the defensive guard. It wasn't just some high guard. It, he did have it low enough to where it still contained the body. Obviously, the jab to the head and body I liked. Just overall, working the jab. Great jab, good up jab. Um, I liked what I saw for a 10-rounder in his first fight. Um, we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, what do you think? I loved it because I've been clamoring for this for a long time. You know, I've been tweeting out saying, look, you know, boxing needs to – progress we we don't need these fights where talented fighters are fighting 10 guys with one and one records or eight and 10 records and quote unquote learning they're not learning anything they're wasting the fans time they're wasting their time and i think Hearn probably did this one out of desperation because he needed to get something going with his own u.s and the lightweight division's hot and, you know, PBC's got, you know, Davis, Ryan Garcia wants to go over there. And then, you know, top rank had Haney. They still have Haney. And they got Stevenson. And they got Lomachenko. You know, Hearn has and, – and, you know, top rank's also got Keyshawn Davis, who Hearn had briefly. So, Hearn, you know, take – I mean, I'm not saying – to me, with my belief, this opponent wasn't Burgos wasn't a particular risk, even though he's a veteran and he fought for alphabet belts, but I, but Hearn of all people kind of surprising to me, like he was the guy that did this. It might've been out of desperation, but it was a great move. And to me, I mean this in all the positive ways, this should be the poster for, we don't need all these quote unquote learning fights. You don't learn anything. Yeah. These mismatches from, from, people that don't have anywhere near the talent level your A-side prospect has. So to anybody, and I've, I've argued with lots of people about this. To me, this is exhibit A. I mean, just look at what Andy Cruz did to Burgos. He won every round. He had no problems whatsoever. He was close to the stop. Never in doubt. And Burgos, not even for 20 never seconds. In doubt. You know? Good skills. Like you said, throwing a lot of combinations. I like that a lot. He wasn't doing one a punch at a time either. He was throwing a lot of real nice combinations, you know, going forward some, going back some. And, and Burgos is a very tough guy, as we know. And you look at his body language, and he was acting in the corner. And, of course, you're not faulting a guy like that. And, you know, at the age he's at now, taking all that punishment, it was one of those ones I don't even feel comfortable watching it. But what, what I'm saying is you, you could see in the last couple of rounds he even looked to be going to his own corner, kind of like, "Yeah, hey, do I do I really have to do I really have to come it out and do this? Uh, can't somebody help me out here? You know, I got pride, but I'm taking a beating here, and nothing's going to change that. Uh, you know, I felt I felt a bit for the guy because he's been in tough fights and hanging in there, but just just taking a beating, Cruz winning every round, Cruz looking real good. 
it shows you don't need all these garbage fights. We we need more of this. I mean, like this then was interesting. Okay, it's Cruz's first fight, but he's fighting Burgos. Like, I, and Chris, we, you know, you follow boxing regularly. You know, you comment on it. I mean, it's not an exaggeration that like literally we would be tortured with 14 fights before he fought Burgos, and and they were all complete mismatches. And he, against it guys could that create bad habits. That might create <laughs> right. bad I mean, habits. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it just does. You're right. You're wasting time. I mean, you, you could get cut or something like that on a, in a fluke. Um, yeah, it's just you could get injured. It's just a waste. So let's always go back to this fight when people are saying you need all these quote unquote learning fights and fighting these guys with eight and ten records and things. The talented fighters, the real prospects, don't need that. So. This, to me, was good to see. I thought Cruz didn't get the stoppage, but he did everything else. He, he so much did everything else that I thought it was real positive to show we don't need all these waste-of-time fights and to establish his name. He looked real good. Because, like I said, in the last couple of rounds, it just I, I couldn't even fault Burgos. He's taken a lot in his career. It, it, it didn't real like, really look like he was crazy about being in there the last couple of rounds. So, um Big win for Cruz in terms of demonstrating he can go right to fighting a veteran in his first fight. And and not only fighting a veteran, but then going 10. So it was both things. He didn't he didn't need to learn to go 10, and he didn't need to learn to fight Burgos. So let's let's keep that in mind with our top prospects and, and stop the, the time wasting and get these guys accelerated fighting either a big fight or each other. That would be the other thing, you know, he, he, have them fight. Have them fight each other. So, uh, good good win for Cruz. Something I like to see. I'm I'm glad Hearn. It might have been out of desperation, but I'm glad Hearn did this. Yeah, I agree. I, I liked it a lot, and he 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 definitely uh, performed. Um, I'd say a little higher the expectation for me anyway, because I thought it was going to be pot shot central. To be honest with John, right. I was like, here comes the jab. We're going to establish the jab for five rounds. Then we're going to pot right. shot. You know, I, I honestly thought, yep. and, hey, I respect the Cuban amateur uh, pedigree 100%. Um, I'd say in the last decade, there's been plenty that have come in and done a little bit more. and, and fit. Now we're getting some more offensive guys. This guy seems to be more offense. Obviously, Morrell does. You know, I'm not trying to rip uh, Cubans all to shreds. Uh, but, you know, I did, I did expect pot shots. I really did. And, we, you know, he really put his – punches together and I liked his guard like you said he moved back a little bit but then he was right there he he was very fluid uh very natural obviously he's natural in the ring but on that pro level and and even in that six to eight round where I got a little slower he'd always be like all right the last 30 seconds let's pick up the pace a little bit and I like that it was like all right you're, you're pushing through some of this you should be tired it's a 10 round fight you've never been 10 rounds so um and I wonder if he had been training so long to kind of get his wind up to where he was just ready to go into an eight or 10 rounder right away. Uh, and maybe that was some of the delay before he got, you know, maybe his, I don't know. I, I wonder because that, that was impressive to go uh, 10 rounds like that. And then in the main event, Alicia Baumgartner got the revenge in a fight. She fairly, you know, controlled, like I would say, um, the first four rounds, I actually thought it was 2-2. Uh, oh, wait. Actually, I had 
I had a three to one after that, but I thought, um, I thought, you know, let me see my card really quick. I gave um, Christina the third. Uh, now that I think about it, yeah, she was kind of controlling the, yeah, Baumgartner, like the first and second, controlling with the jab, few right hands or whatever. But um, even in that, so I gave her the, 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 the third, Christina the third. I thought the jabs and a few right hands were good enough to do it, and it did seem like um, Baumgartner has this habit of sometimes looking for the perfect counter and also uh, getting tired down the stretch of fights. And I wanted to see if that was going to happen again. And even in the fourth round, I felt like um, Leonard Datsu, or however you say her name, um, she uh, she won a part of that fourth round, but I think um, a big right hand and a nice left hook down the stretch of that fourth round did it. But I gave her – well, the tenth was close. I gave Christina the sixth as well. I thought she was busier, got off a little bit more. But overall, um, Baumgartner with a sturdy performance. Uh, she was forcing her to the corner after a while, really digging in, going for it, digging to the body, that's for sure, which opened up. Um, and, you know, I thought her opponent was, was firing back at times and still showing some heart or whatever. Um, and, and she just started missing more down the stretch. Um, she'd have these little uh, successes, like 30 seconds, minute of a round, and then that was about it. There was some fun back and forth uh, down the stretch of the attempt, or just in general in the attempt. But I thought Bob Gardner won really, really clean. And I thought Jermaine Franklin um, overall um, against Muyas, uh I think that's an Isak, too, or maybe he's Isaac. I don't know, but he, he looked okay. He was landing his left hook in that chopping right hand. Uh, I remember I wrote this down the third round, really major uppercut midway through that third. Um, you know, jab, kind of pot-shotting type thing. Um, his opponent, I, I noticed this. I have it on my scorecard. His opponent had a nasty um, farmer's tan, John. I don't know if you saw that fight, but... Actually, it's more like a farmer's burn. Like, he had this big red mark down his arm. Uh, you can tell that he's pretty fair-skinned. Um, but, yeah, overall, what would you think of Baumgartner? And then, obviously, you know, Amanda Serrano next or the winner of Cameron Taylor. I think she's ready to have a big step up again and, and challenge herself. Yeah, I thought Baumgartner looks solid. I do see think she's doing better. You know, just her, the different her punch variety seems to be getting better. I see her, I see her boxing better. You know, as you mentioned, you know, her, her main flaw to me just seems to be when she she has some lulls in activity and she's not punching. But again, harder to get stoppages in the women's game with the two minute rounds. One thing you see with her, and you really saw it. In the McKayla, at, at key moments in the Michaela Mayer fight, which was extremely close, but I think Bumgarner edged it out. Um, she there's in the key, in the, some key moments she had Michaela Mayer hesitant power, you know, Bumgarner's power, and and Leonardo too. She gave a really good effort. I thought she showed a lot of heart, and she and she kept fighting the whole way. But I saw the same thing there that. You know, when, when Bumgarner lands, you, you see these other women 
unlike a lot of other fighters you see in the women's game, they they don't want to they don't want to march forward right into her. You, you see that hesitation. I mean, you you can see people feel her power. So I think she benefits a lot from that because she'll have some lulls in activity, but when when she lands her power, she at least momentarily she gets people to back off. You, you can tell that they feel it. And I saw that again Saturday night. I, I thought it was you know a good effort by Leonardo to she had. I had a baby recently and, you know, still in there for this rematch and, and landed some good shots of her own. And, and I, I thought she gave sincere, real effort the whole time. So credit to her. But like you said, I agree. Bumgardner clearly won the fight. There was no doubt about it. Uh, this time around, it was hers. And I like, you know, I like her offensive skills more and more each fight and I think with the the pop she has she she's incorporated better bills in her last few fights I'm with you just when her activity drops and it drops a lot I mean that's that's a problem for her uh and that's where she's vulnerable you know that activity drops she she has some problems but I think what's helping her against this better competition even she's facing is that People have to be aware of her power, and you you can see that in there with her that that they're they're hesitant about just marching into that for, for the full length of the fight or for a full ten. They're hesitant about marching into her power. So I think that benefits her and enables her to get away with those lulls in the activity a little bit. Uh, so that's what I thought of her performance. A good solid performance. I, I actually did not think Jermaine Franklin looked good. Uh, he, that, that opponent he was in with just found out about the fight on the Wednesday before Franklin was, was getting hit. I mean, he was getting hit. That's why, uh, you know, the guy was still able to stay in there. Yeah, Franklin, you know, he, he did – I saw the shots you saw, Chris. You know, you know, landed a big uppercut here, once in a while a hook, once in a while the right hand. But he's not hurting anybody. I mean, he's not hurting anybody. And that, that was a big problem for him against – I really don't think White takes a good heavyweight shot. And, you know, he, he was getting White's attention some, but I think that was kind of the difference. I still thought Franklin won it, but I thought if, if he just had average heavyweight pop, he would have he would have had White out of there. And Joshua hasn't shown the best punch resistance as his career's gone on either, and Franklin wasn't hurting him. Uh, and then, you know, this guy – Found out about the fight on Wednesday. You get some clean shots. They're not really hurting him. Then he's getting hit back. Didn't get a stoppage over a guy that was on short notice. I really thought it was an unimpressive performance by Franklin, and I thought enough so that it reflected really poorly on White and Joshua, a fight that Hearn on the same network, DAZN, is getting ready to try to build up because I thought Franklin beat White and – Right. You know, Joshua didn't get Franklin out of there. And, you know, you, you really were left with that kind of like, so that was two two of Hearns guys, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I saw some people did look at it like me afterward. Not all. It was kind of a split. But there definitely were people that had my take on it that were saying like, you know, you know this, this, this guy went, you know, this guy went the distance with White and Joshua. Those two guys are going to fight. They don't. You know, they don't look up to – those guys don't look up to standard 
with like, you know, Usyk, Fury, Wilder, um, which I, I think there is some truth to. You know, from what we've seen of Jermaine Franklin, he he didn't look like the kind of guy that would have gone the distance with Fury, Wilder, or Usyk. So, um, you know, Usyk throws a lot of punches. You know, he, he can get stoppages that way, you know, even at heavyweight. So, and, you know, we know the power Wilder has, and, you know, Fury just with with that size and, you know, speed for a, for a guy that huge, and, you know, then where he can lean on you if he wants to and things. So, yeah, I, you know, I think for the really low-level, even though the guy was undefeated, really low-level opponent that came in late that Franklin was in with, I, I thought he didn't do what he needed to do. I mean, that, that's a guy at heavyweight, that, that's a guy you got to stop. So uh, I thought it didn't look good for Jermaine Franklin, and then I thought, by reflection, it did not look good at all for Dillian White and Anthony Joshua. And, you know, I've said it a lot of times, Chris, and it's appropriate saying it in because he's going to be in the big fight with Joshua in August. You know, Joshua's a big name. I just think, relatively speaking, for a heavyweight, when you're talking about, you know, the top ten level, arguably, like, I just don't think Dillian White's that talented. I, I think he's made the most of what he has. You know, I've said that a lot yeah. of times. He's been in a lot yeah. of entertaining fights. So you like watching him fight because he's always vulnerable. It's always entertaining. And he has that wild yeah, left face hook. a slew of solid guys, too, you know, that, that little run he had where he's at least facing competitive guys. Yeah, right. And, and you know, he, get, he gets dropped and he gets stopped. And, and he, once in a while, lands that crazy left and hurts somebody or takes them out. Uh, but he's always, he's always vulnerable, but uh, he's made the most of what he, what he has. I'll say that uh, first thought, but he, again, he has had two PED busts. Let's, let's face it. Uh, you know, some of his supporters make excuses for him, but, but we know what happened there. So he has had that, but I think with that understood, don't want to give him a pass on that. He's just a guy that, you know, he, with the, the level of talent he has, he's he's really probably gotten farther than he should have. Uh, and and why I'm saying that is kind of pre a precursor for the I guess it's August 12th when White's going to fight Joshua again. I don't particularly like the fight. I mean, I, you know, I'll watch it. I mean, it's heavyweights. I like I still like watching the heavyweight division. But if if Joshua can't take White out again. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pull one of those, you know, if he can't, and I think he will, but he's your know, second fight with Derek James. If he, if he can't take white out of there impressively and, and early, then there's probably not that, not that much hope going forward. So, you know, and, and somewhere deep down, I got to think even Derek James is probably thinking that like, okay, this is our second fight together. I got, I got to get more out of him, and, and he's got to be more explosive in this fight. And this is a guy with a, a vulnerable chin at heavyweight uh, who, who he's already knocked out. I mean, really, the recipe, and Hearn, I'm sure, knows that. The recipe's there for an impressive knockout. He needs to get it. But Jermaine Franklin, the common opponent, reminds me of that. Yeah, there'd be times, like you're saying, where, you know, I highlighted some of the good stuff. But, yeah, there was just these lulls, and he didn't look in great shape. And Eddie Hearn tried to say, well, you know, he didn't know about this, you know, fight until a little later. Like you said, well, his opponent, you know, took longer. He was on the couch eating potato chips. So, I mean, <laughs> right. or maybe he was farming. Yeah, he had a farmer's right. he was pants, farming. You know? on, he was farming on yeah. Wednesday. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, 
he was, you know, checking out the crops in a couple of months here, like a month, they're gonna, you know, the stuff's going to have to come out. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it was very mediocre, and, and that does, it's, it's hard not to think, man, I mean, they literally, look at his last two fights before this. Like, it's nice for him to get a win and get going or whatever, you know, back on the horse or whatever, but, yeah, it does, it, it's hard not to look at it and, and see how he fought those two guys, and, and maybe it is just, you know, the motivation and all that, but it seems like we give guys the outs too much now on that, where it's like, aren't they just motivated in general to an extent? It's not like this guy's been through, uh, you know, he hasn't been a, at the top, you know, of the food chain or something, and now he's just trying to get up for, you know, I guess he has, I guess you could say, by fighting Joshua, but, you know, it wasn't for, you know, it was Joshua's get-back fight, so... I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of kind of interesting to see, and you know, maybe the next fight or two. Well, obviously, Jared Anderson's coming back. Uh, what August twenty sixth or whatever. Maybe they could throw Anderson on the uh, December top rank uh, Heisman Trophy card and put Anderson in. In you know him uh, again. I I still think he's a good fight. You know for that, but I just you know I say that, but then how. I wonder how many. I wonder if he has one more. If that was just the option that Eddie had on him, or what? Because um, I don't remember reading that he recently just signed like a multi-fight deal with Matchroom. So um, that would be a good opponent for Martin, I think. Or I mean Anderson, excuse me. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's hard not to kind of look at that stuff, and and, uh, and I hear you basically say the the same thing. Um, all right, so this weekend, we have George Cambosis against Maxi Hughes. Maxi Hughes is uh, technically, you know, um, an underdog, a fairly clean one. I've seen him anywhere from, like, plus 245, plus 250, uh, as high as, let's see, 260, um, 285. Betway has a plus 285. That's kind of interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on this fight? I mean, you know, it is kind of interesting how it's, you know, the location of it. Um, although I, you know, I've heard good things about, you know, that venue and whatnot, but for these two fighters, it does kind of make you scratch your head. But then again, you know, he is signed with top rank for a few fights anyway. So, uh, I guess they want to keep him active in the States or whatever. And they didn't have, you know, maybe a time, I don't know, maybe they just didn't want to do a, a day show there. Well, in Australia, I suppose it is the winter right now, so um, I don't know. But either way, um, you know, you do have, uh, Maxie Hughes is kind of interesting because, you know, he took, um, well, some really early losses and, and had some draws, uh, like a draw. He got, I think he got stopped or got injured with Ward. Um, and he fought him a handful of times. I think, actually, I think like three times, if I remember correctly. I don't think he won any of them. But, you know, in recent time, that Liam Walsh, who, uh, who Gervonta went over there and stopped pretty quick, you know, he had a competitive fight with him. Uh, I think the Jonah Carroll, that's where he kind of broke out. And, and it was like, okay, well, hey, this guy, this guy got a, a nice win. And, and I believe... If I remember correctly, Carroll was coming off the Quig win. So it was like he was the underdog. He came up, got the victory, 
um, pulled off another upset over Kid Gallahan in his last fight, last like October or September uh, time frame. Um, what do you think? I mean, Cambosa's obviously trying to get back on the good foot uh, because, you know, he's coming off two losses to Devin Haney. Of course, no, no big, uh, you know, big deal there. But, of course, he has that competitive close win with Tio, Lee Selby, Mickey Bay Jr. Looks pretty average in some of those fights. That's why most people thought Tio Fimo would beat him. Um, but it's definitely a must win for him there because, you know, this is like the first fight of a new deal with top rank, and, and he's looking to, to fight some of these guys. And who knows? If he wins, it might be Loma next. You never know. One thing you pointed out, Chris, that is, is a good opportunity for me to emphasize it is there's one area American boxing fans don't get enough credit over the years is for the most part, you know, you can find an exception here or there, but like when the Klitschko's based themselves in Germany, but for, for the most part, the U S is the only country where two non-Americans can fight and fans will pay attention Go, you know, go to the arena. Not going to sell as much as a local favorite or that type of thing, but but they'll do it. You know, sometimes you have people in other countries who are boxing fans, knocking American fans, but that doesn't happen in any other countries. I mean, so you've got you know Cambosos and Hughes here, and it's because right they feel like they're you know Cambosos has made some name in the U.S. He's got an entertaining personality. You know, top ranks got some some fights in the, the lightweight division and, and 140. But still, in the U.S., you, you, you get fights with two non-Americans in the main event. You really don't see that uh, particularly much at all around the rest of the world. So uh, interesting that the U.S. is the one country that can do that. Um, this is one of those examples. I think it's kind of like what you were saying for Cambosos. This, to me, is like a my own evaluation of Cambosos, and it's not because I think Maxi Hughes is particularly good. He, he's had those moments you mentioned, but still, really, he's just kind of an alphabet creation in terms of you watch the guy fight. He's not that – relatively speaking, he's not that good. Uh, I, I did notice the odds like you did. I'm, I'm a little surprised Cambosos isn't a bigger favorite, but the odds makers know, and that's one thing that kind of – does fit to me what the theme of this fight is. I was not impressed with Cambosos against Selby. I thought Selby could have gotten that decision. Uh, you know, the Mickey Bay performance was ordinary yeah. as well. A guy way over the hill was a majority decision. So those didn't mean much to me. And Cambosos didn't prove to be a puncher in those fights. But then, you know, he, he knocks down Tiafimo Lopez hangs on for the victory and now we have the added factor of we saw what Lopez just did to Josh Taylor that to me was a completely dominate performance dominant performance I just thought he just beat Josh Taylor up and dominated the fight so you know and Taylor was undefeated very impressive performance but then you have of course he gets dominated twice by Haney hangs on to go to distance but he gets completely dominated and he gets dominated you know in Australia but Haney is the champ. 
you know, he, he's at the pinnacle of the lightweight division right now. He's not the money guy Javante Davis is, but he's got the lineal title. So, you know, we're kind of giving Cambosis a bit of a pass there, even though he looked terrible in both of those fights and he got dominated because we're saying, well, maybe Haney's that good. But again, we kind of a little, you know, he, he got by Lomachenko, but barely. It's not that Lomachenko's anything to scoff at, but he is getting older. And, you know, Lopez beat him soundly. So, to me, this is all just about Cambosos. Like, there can't, despite what the odds are, to me, Maxie Hughes isn't that formidable. He's not a legit top ten guy even. Cambosos has got to dominate this guy, preferably by stoppage. But if he doesn't stop him, he's got to, he's got to look real good and, and pretty much shut him out, I think. Because if I see anything less from Cambosos here, if it's real tight or something like that, I, I'm not I'm not going to take the take that Maxie Hughes is better than we expected and that kind of stuff. I'm, I already pretty much know I'm not going to go there because it will just solidify doubts about Cambosos. Then I'll be looking at Lopez as the fluky performance, not that that's the real Cambosos. But if Cambosos gets in with a guy like Hughes and dominates him or stops him, I'm not going to say that that proves everything about Cambosos, but then I'm going to say more of a levels type thing. Like, okay, you know, he, he, he beat Tiafimo Lopez. He lost to Haney, but now, you know, a guy like Hughes who should be levels below him, he's dominating and stopping him. You know, maybe Cambosos is for real and it's just Haney was too good for him, that type of thing. So I think it's all about Cambosos. I, I think top rank even probably looks at it that way. They're figuring – Maxie Hughes is a guy that's got a good enough of a record that they can credibly put him in there with Cambosos and, you know, talk about some alphabet stuff. But they're looking for Cambosos to look good and that people then will remember him for having to win over Lopez. And Lopez is high again now after dominating Taylor. And Cambosos is a good talker. He'll have gotten some exposure. You know, his first fight with Haney, that did do a good U.S. rating, relatively speaking, for what we've yeah what we've been getting. So, you know, he, that fight was seen by people in the U.S., and that's how you build up. So, yeah, I, I get what Top Rank's doing here. I, I kind of even agree with it, what they're trying to do. But now Cambosos has got to do his part. Like what I'm saying is, I don't want to see the Cambosos against Hughes that we saw against Selby and Mickey Bay. Yeah, he he's got to show that he he is that guy that beat Lopez, that kind of a fighter. If if not, I think that we're just going to say he had a good night against Lopez, and Lopez had a bad night, and he was fortunate to hang on, and he's really not that good. I, I think we can start saying that, but you know, on contra on the contrary. If if he on ESPN in the U.S. if he blows Hughes out, the guy's a talker. People know him from the Lopez fight, and then the, especially the first Haney fight. Top rank can make some fights with him on ESPN that'll do pretty well. Yeah, he, he's definitely a game guy. Like you said, he's got to prove <laughs> that he can get this clean win. Um, any other items that you'd like to talk about? Um, you know that you that you want to discuss. It's it is kind of nice that we got a little vacation 
from uh, Broadway Joel's The Voice of the Dominican Boxing uh, interview. Um, the fact that we got that little, well, we got a bunch of tidbits, actually. got a bunch of news out of that, but July 21st would be the deadline. Otherwise, then, for Haney to decide. Otherwise, then Shakur Stevenson would be named as the mandatory. Now, whether they're going to announce it as a 75-25 split or, uh, you know, a 60. Sometimes they do that, you know, where they don't do the whole thing and they leave 10%. um, That would be kind of interesting. Um, I think you can't really go wrong. Like you said, the Stevenson thing, you did actually talk about how you, you should take the Stevenson fight. Um, but if he took the program fight, I wouldn't be like, oh, dude, you know, what a, you know, people saying, oh, he's ducking and all that. I wouldn't say that. But to your point, um, I had kind of forgot that we actually went over this. Now I think about it, just thinking, I'm saying it out loud. Um, any other items though, that you, that you want to talk about? Because, uh, I don't know. It's really interesting. I'm just glad that we got some sort of clarification that Haney's going to have to figure out something somewhat soon. Yeah, but I think you know, for me there, I'm going to stick with it. And there are certain fights like that. And you do see it all the time in boxing with certain fights. Even at this stage, not that it couldn't get bigger or that it's the biggest fight in boxing or something, but the ratings that Haney's gotten some good ones, not this last pay-per-view with Lomachenko, but then the rate, and the rating Stevenson's getting, he's on the upward trend. That that alphabets are not gonna are not gonna determine the way the money is dis- distributed in that fight. There's too much money involved, uh, so that I, I, that just won't happen. That's not gonna happen. That, the WBC is not gonna determine what what the purse splits that fight. Even for Stevenson, I mean he's he's already well known enough. Just even for the WBC alphabet belt, I mean if he's gonna fight Haney, he he's not gonna. He's not, he's not going to – I'll just make up a number, like you said, with that, when they do their stuff. I mean, like, he's not going to take 25%, 30% just because he's getting a crack at Haney's WBC alphabet belt. That, that's not going to happen. And Yeah, they would have you know, negotiating he, time, right, you know, before they actually call the bid, so. Yeah, I think, I think it is a big – I think it is one of – you know, with boxing, luckily we're getting these fights this year. That's been the theme of this year, I think, almost out of necessity. But I do think at this point that is, in boxing 2023, that is one of the bigger money fights that can be made, Haney-Stevenson. So I think top rank would have to work that out. I mean, Haney would get paid well, of course. I'm not knocking what he would get paid, and he is the lineal champ. But that to me, that that's not going to be some WBC thing where they're going to force a WBC belt on the line and those two guys are going to fight and – the WBC is going to determine the purse split or something. I mean, that, I, I will just say that that's that's not happening. That's not that's not going to happen. So it's good to have the news, but that's not going to happen. It's going to be that is a big money fight. I agree with you, Chris. You know, like if Haney were to fight Progray, and and he is obviously seriously considering that option. Progray is a tough opponent. You wouldn't really quite call call that a duck. But the thing to me though is that. You know, Stevenson Haney is a big money fight. So, unless the zone is go- and Hearn are going to so to overpay him, so to speak, to fight Pro Gray, and I don't mean that as a knock on Haney like it might sound, but I just do mean like one of those things like where 
you know, maybe he kind of gets paid over the market value of what the fight's worth because the zone needs a fight. I don't know if the zone's going to be doing that anymore. So I, I would guess that they're not, but I don't know that for sure. I mean, they do still have a match room in USA. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's probably what even Haney's looking for. You know, hey, are they going to, like, it, I don't know if overpay is the right word, but are, are they going to pay more right. than maybe the, the value to get them on the zone? Hey, you know, Pro Gray probably at the age Pro Gray's at now, even though he's a bigger banger, he's probably an easier fight than Stevenson. So, yeah, that's what they're looking at. It's a business, you know, it's a business, it's prize fighting, but I think he would get well paid to fight Stevenson. Um, so, you know, that, that's a And obviously, fight. you know, we both think that, you know, they're lining up Isak Cruz, but the tank fight, maybe that would be next year. Maybe that would be, you know, at 140 sometime. I guess we have to kind of at least throw it in there. Uh, haven't been hurt. I haven't heard anything as far as – it's been a mixed message as far as have they been an actual talk because Haney seems like he's been really just – he's doing the right thing. He's really knocking on all doors and seeing what's out there. Yeah, they haven't – and, of course, he had other things going on. Well, you know, it is it is documented even in the national news. You know, got out of got out of jail, which is good. He's got that done. So now he can think about other things. We know about the Isak Cruz, but we don't really know what Tank's long term plan is. I haven't been right yet, but I don't give up on it because some other things want to play out. I and I don't mean against Spence, but if Crawford won it wouldn't totally shock me, believe it or not. Like you know, does he make the welterweight move for that money with, with the guys that PBC has available? And to me, it would be, I don't think he'd want the Spence matchup. Like if Errol Spence beats Terrence Crawford, right. and, you know, they suppose they have cause, but, but you know, you get an older look, you know, this is where I do feel I'm right. Like, yeah, you, know, you get like a 37 year old Terrence Crawford who started out as a lightweight. I mean, why, why is Gervonta Davis going to not think he's got a crack at winning that fight? I mean, even Keith if, even if he's coming off, yeah, he, I always thought Keith Thurman would be the first stop because he, he's got a name, gets good TV ratings. He's been sporadically active, and he's only five foot seven. Perfect welterweight matchup for Javante Davis. I always thought that would be the entry point. So, I mean, they haven't said it. I keep saying it. They haven't said it, but I still think it's there because he doesn't throw a lot of volume, but he's got the, the ferocious power. And even though he's only five foot five, that kind of might help him a little bit, like as he gets older, because you know he, he doesn't need to throw the volume at welterweight that he needs to throw at lightweight, even though his volume is low at lightweight. So that helps. That him is a, a good bit. point, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the higher he goes, him. the less he's going to have to throw. Yeah, I think that's what ha- ha- happened. Helped Manny Pacquiao because he he became that that, that high volume guy. And he started out as a flyweight, but he was moving up those weight classes so he could always maintain that style because as he moved up, his volume was always high for those, you know, higher weight classes as he moved up very high. So that, that still worked for him. I think there's certain fighters that it can work for like that. So, I mean, Javante Davis is getting late 20s. But, hey, you know, when you're a lightweight, that's getting that's starting to get a little starting to get a little bit older. So you know, there are exceptions, but I would think that with that money, I, I don't know exactly when. I think Cruz will be next at lightweight, but they haven't said it. But we 
we haven't kind of gotten the indication exactly what the big target, you know, will be for Javante Davis down the road. So that's going to be interesting. I would think, you know, maybe if Crawford comes up with those wins, but then at the age he would be at, sure. that, that wouldn't be an impossibility with a, like you said, it was a Thurman as the entry point or, or a Thurman or an Ugas or something like that. But, but that, that it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. It definitely will. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on. And, and as a reminder to the audience, we will be doing a show. I'll be doing a show next Monday instead of Tuesday because, of course, the NUA Fulton fight is, it, you know, is that night kind of, <laughs> that early morning the next day. So um, don't really want to do it Tuesday want to kind of be able to get that in there and we're going to kind of try to fit something in here john and i are going to kind of figure out a way to try to get him on the show his schedule's a little busier but i appreciate you uh stopping on as always john chris thanks for having me as always and we'll talk about it more hopefully next week but as i go it, it was popping on my mind today thinking boxing like all us other hardcore commentators and fans i think fulton even though he doesn't have the pop He's got the strength. I think he might need to move forward against anyway, but we'll, we'll talk that more next week. But, th- but that, that's the conclusion I'm coming to. I'll, I'll, I will preface it with that. There we go. That's a good way, good teaser. Like they right. say in the business. <laughs> yeah. All right, John, you take it easy. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me as always. Talk to you soon. Yep. Sounds good. Enjoy the vacay. Thanks. All righty. Uh, there is two minutes, two minutes something of the live stream. If you're listening to the browser, you can dial 646-381-4990 to listen to the extended part of the show. Of course, you know, it all comes together in one podcast form, but when it's live, it only streams live for two hours. 646 646- Three eight one four nine nine zero, and anybody that's on right now can press one. If and that's a big if, I F capital I F. Uh, if you want to, I'm not trying to knock anybody off or anything like that. I'm not going to go to you if you're chilling, just listening. That's cool. I appreciate it. Um, I do think Cambos is going to win the fight. I think he's just he's just better than him. He's a kind of a crafty fighter. He's got a good jab. Um, although that Lee Selby, I agree with what John said, that Lee Selby fight and some other fights were very close. Clearly the Teofimo Lopez fight, Teo was fighting not in the style he should have. Um, but the timing and some of the skills that, you know, he can uh, show and bring and um, present in the ring, I think, you know, should serve him well. So I see him winning by decision. But I could see Maxie, who's been on a nice little run here. It's not crazy, you know. He hasn't been uh, going through killers or anything, but there's not a lot of fighters that are going through killers, (laughs) right? Like constantly. So um, I think it's a good fight, though. I do think it's a good fight. Keyshawn Davis is on the uh, undercard. Is it Patera? I think that's his last name. Yeah, Patera. Just a veteran fighter. He should win, too. We'll see if he gets a stoppage or goes the distance. There is a card 
um, on Saturday on UFC Pass, if you want to check that out. And then also uh, Thompson Boxing, RIP. Um, and I'm not trying to shit on him or nothing by saying that, by the way. But Thompson Boxing, I'm definitely going to check out their last card just because it sounds like they are shutting down operations. Sorry, I had to take a little <clears throat> break there. I don't know what the hell happened. All right, so, you know, kind of talking through some of this stuff with, with Haney, you know, a lot of back and forth <laughs> on Twitter, which, you know, it kind of kind of lends my, I don't know, I'm just not a big fan of that. I li- well, I should, hold on. I like when they're going back and forth when they're building a fight. Like, dude, when I wait till next fight or I'm going to, you know, it's a future fight. I, I like that. And it's fun to watch fighters talk shit a little bit here and there. Right. But especially when you know, fights aren't going to happen and they're talking shit that, that just gets old. And especially when you're like heavy on the Twitter fingers, but then nothing comes from it. And that, I, I feel like the rise in Twitter fingers for boxers, uh, like boxer on boxer crime, let's say, um, it happened in COVID and there's just some ludicrous stuff that people would say. And it's just like, I get it, man. You got to keep your name, you know, in the lights, in the limelight or whatever. But I don't know. man. I don't know. However, I do know this Shakur, you know, went to the WBC petitioned them. And now according to Jake Donovan, my guy, um, a lot of people's guy, Paws. No, he's getting good shit. Um, right here, boxing scene, one forty nine Eastern. The, the the article was posted. Shakur Stevenson petitions the WBA to be named mandatory challenger at lightweight. Um, now, the petition, you know, we'll see if he got his fifty fifty deal or whatever, because uh, that's what he petitioned for. Um, the WBC part, but this one, you know, he, like uh, Jake says here in his article, he's doubling down on his bid to become a three-division titleist. Boxing scene um, has confirmed that a request has been filed uh, with the WBO by the management team for Stevenson, who seeks to be named the sanctions body, sanctioning body's mandatory contender at lightweight. Um, so, you know, and as it stands, you know, I'll, uh, well, shit, I'll go over right now. I got it right here on boxing scene. Um, when you look at it, and I, I went, I'm not going to go over all the scenarios like I have a couple times, but what's interesting to me is, it. do they already know what's going on with the WBO? You know? The reason why I say that is because, so the WBO, number one ranked is Stevenson, Number two ranked is Lomachenko, right? Now, if the WBC already – let's say they kind of know Devin's going to go to fight Regis, let's just say, right, or, or Gervonta, whatever. He's still going to have to answer to some of this, right? Um, but for the WBC, Loma is number one, and Shakur Stevenson is number two, right? So kind of interesting that – they would make Stevenson the Mando. Now, technically, they haven't made it until the deadline. 
So you're not the Mando until they call it. And then whatever happens, happens. You know, you got the 30-day thing, but things can happen in that 30 days. You can get an extension if negotiations are close, or you, you know, relay the message to the sanctioning belts that they're close. Um, Maybe there's some step-aside stuff, but my point is you got Loma at one, Stevenson at two, so they're going to jump Loma and make Stevenson the WBC, but at the same time, he's trying to be the WBO, you know, and he's number one there. So did the WBO and WBC, or or do they know now what the WBC is going to do, or do they have a better feeling of what Haney's going to do? We all knew it was about pole position anyway. Um, The IBF scenario, Isak Cruz is sitting there just waiting. They're just going to hand it to Tank. I said I wasn't going to go over this. I'm not going to. So it is kind of interesting that they make him. Now, does that mean there's an injury there for Loma and he needs more time? Does that mean they're going to try to set him with the comeback fight, fight Cambosas, and let Shakur get a belt? Or, like I said, is that going to be the scenario where one of them gets a belt and one of the, you know, let's say the WBC, and then the other gets one of the WBO, and by the time they meet, what do you know? It's a unification, right? And it looks great. And Isak Cruz is happy because he gets a belt. But who knows? I mean, it, obviously, if you know, if he fights, uh, if he fights, if if Cruz fights Cervantes next, you know, they're not. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they vacate that and give it right to Cruz. I think you know the guy ranked above him would probably get it vacated, yada, yada, yada. But like I said, the, 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 the glorious thing is we at least get some sort of movement, some sort of idea of where things are going um, at that division, and, and, and especially in that mandatory thing. Because, you know, like I said, shots out to Broadway, Joel, um, got to credit him for that, you know, good uh, article, great, I should say, interview, uh, where he, you know, really talked to Suleiman, Mauricio Suleiman, and, 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 you know, I give him credit for, you know, (laughs) the interview started out rough, I was like, ooh, this might might not be that long, but um, he was stern, Broadway Joe was, he did his job, you know, as a journalist, and uh, he asked the tough questions, and guess what, it came right from the horse's mouth, and um, you know, a variety of things came out of that. So that that was pretty cool. Um, and he pressed them just enough, you know. Wasn't, uh, you know, um, disrespectful, but he was stern. He was stern, and rightfully so. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to sit there and yell that uh, Haney, if he just – to go with Regis Progray, you know, I'm not going to sit here and call him a duck. I don't give a shit what you say. That's not a duck, dude. Regis is a solid fighter. Um, it's a great fight for him at 140 just to move up there. Um, and right now, you know, who who does, you know, at 140, it's getting kind of weird because as far as who's at top rank. So do we know if Teofimo Lopez is for sure with top right, because, by the way, he got, you know, a 24-hour notice 
to make sure he was serious about, you know, vacating his belt because he's retired. And what do you know? Teofimo Lopez comes to the surface and claims his belt, right? Um, I never thought he'd be done at age whatever he is. What is he, 25, 26, 25? I didn't think he was going to. But, yeah, Haney, Haney got a gun charge. He got arrested in Cali. Um, thanks to Ronald Reagan. No, um, he got a gun charge, and nobody claimed the gun. So it's his vehicle. He wasn't driving, but nobody claimed the fucking gun. What is the point of having security? I don't know. Like, get security that can legally carry a gun, then. I, I don't know. Or stay out of Cali? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's just kind of – I'm not saying you shouldn't protect yourself. That's not what I'm saying, especially if you, you know, have some expensive clothes on and expensive, you know, accessories. But, uh, yeah, we don't – I mean, that's a felony charge. So maybe someone takes the rap. I don't know. We just saw Wild. This happened a Wilder not long ago. That was in Cali too, right? If I'm correct. Yeah. So anyway – um, but I get the whole rather get caught with it than without it. I get that line. Um, so I, I can't really judge that. You know what I mean? I can't really judge that. Um, looking from the outside, Gervonta came out uh, of jail as well. <laughs> looking like, uh, you know, Mr. Shuttlesworth, Jesus' father, um, Jesus. Um, from He Got Game, obviously, I'm talking about. So he's back. Maybe that, maybe all of a sudden out of nowhere we'll get that. Because like I said, I have heard of solid um, information. Not hands down they're in negotiation, but information that it's at least some notes have been passed. And I'm not talking about the notes that you did at the pencil sharpener back in, you know, middle school. You know those notes. The old school dudes know what I'm talking about. You write like yes, no, maybe type questions, and you leave it at the pencil sharpener, and then the girl goes to the pencil sharpener, and she answers your shit, and then you act like you fucked up your, your shit again, and you got to go back to it, and, and you hope it's at least a maybe, uh, and maybe a yes. Although, unless you're saying you got a boyfriend, then you, you know, then you want to no. no. Anyway, I'll shut up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we're going to do here. Um, Haney's in a good spot. Uh, obviously, if you're going to stay at 35, I would say fight tank. If, in fact, it's been offered to him or, you know, they're willing to negotiate that fight. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying if you're going to stay at 35, because we know I wouldn't. We know he has problems making it, right? Uh, that's obvious. That's not breaking news, right? But... If you're going to stay there, you're not going to stay there for three a three-fight deal at 35 or something like that. You know what I mean? Now, you can still sign a three-fight deal, but I don't know. Jose Ramirez says he's got one fight, then he's done with top rank, or at least he's a free agent to, to you know see what he wants to do. Um, we know Barboza now is a free agent. So all of a sudden, signing with top rank if you're at 140, we – Teofimo kind of vaguely, he has a belt. I believe he's still under contract, but I don't know that for a fact. One side, the Lopez side, says we're done. Maybe he sits on the shelf for a while, then the contract will run out. The other side, you know, we've heard a little bit from Aram. 
and, and you know, that could be always hit or miss, but he did save nine, dude. We got it, you know, lock stock. So we got a contract. So I don't know. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, um, <laughs> the Twitter stuff, definitely some back and forth with the Twitter, with the Twitter machine, right? You had uh, Pro Gray coming out. Yo, Eddie, I'm fighting. Um, yo, Eddie, I'm fighting Haney in November or what? It's on you, he said. And Haney said October, actually, right? But then it got a little weird, which it usually does on boxing Twitter because, well, it's on boxing Twitter. Um, because all of a sudden he's talking about, no, dude, I'm going to be on vacation. I'm going to be on vacay. What are you talking about? Like, I'm going to be out of the country. What do you say, out of the country for a month? And it's like, well, hold on, what happened now? You just got done. You just got done saying what? So he said, "No, I'm going to be out." You know, October wouldn't work basically. Uh, then Progray also said, "Either Devin can stay there and get outboxed by Shakur, or come up to fight me and get his teeth knocked out, stuck between a rock and a hard place." And Haney said, "Get Shakur nuts out of your mouth." I know he beat the shit out of you. We laughed about it. How sorry you was after. Okay, so it's a lot of back and forth. And I actually responded not in a threatening way, <laughs> right? But, yeah, he said, nah, must have heard I'll be out of the country for a month, so he can't do October. But when Progray originally said that about, you know, hey, Eddie, what's up? you know, type shit. To me, it's like, well, hold on now, you know. Um, that kind of threw me off, I got to admit, because it's like, well, wait a second, you know. Um, wasn't it just last week? I think it was just last week that we we played that clip of him, you know, him saying that the money's not right. So did they up the money then? And I said, hey, and he didn't Bond, no big deal. I get it. But he said, you know, the money's not right. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, okay, so the money's right now then? Are we good now then? Um, I don't know. Like I said, he didn't respond. So obviously if he uh, – that I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It's just a little weird. But like I said, at least we get a little uh, – at least we get a little clarification. You know what I mean? Oh, Tia Fimo, someone sent me this. He jumped in, too. Uh, Yo, Haney, since you were so quick to jump in the mix for my WBO championship, let's make the fight happen so the world could see um, who was about that action. And Progress said, nah, fuck that. I'm going to whip Devin first, and then I'm coming after you. See, everybody's saying this, that, and the third, but then it's like, all right, so is that a fight that can actually be made, though? That, that, that's We do have to know this stuff, people. We do have to know this. And like I mentioned earlier, Jesus uh, Ramos suffered an injury, so he is off that card now, the undercard of Spence and Crawford. Um, so Donair and Santiago, which I like that fight already. So I like, I like that, you know, the fact I didn't. So it sounds like the, the heavyweight got knocked off, right? Pretty sure. Because 
Victor Faust uh, got hurt too. It was like an article on Boxing Team where it, it, it said both of them. So, um, but yeah, Donaire was happy. He, he mentioned blessed uh, beyond belief. The opportunity is continually given to me by my team as God sent. So he's he's happy as hell. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, I think that's a good fight. It's a good name recognition. A lot of people know him inside of boxing and whatnot. So that's a good look. There was <laughs> I I forgot about this. So. There's been some deleting of tweets lately from the zone. I think two of them now. Um, they put this unmissable, unmissable month of action, right? And my tweet was unmissable is not the way I would describe it. And I don't think anyone would. Uh, the semifinals of some shit that happened. Um, it was this last weekend, right, where the, the girl showed her titties. We got the Misfits, uh, the 22nd Nashville. Um, Jake Paul Nate Diaz pay-per-view and then Joshua White pay-per-view. Now Joshua White is not pay-per-view here, correct? I'm talking about the U.S. Whereas I know the Jake Paul Nate Diaz pay-per-view. But yeah, it's an unmissable month. It's like on the zone, but two of them are the people that, you know, the, the fights that maybe some people would want to see. The U.K., I get it. The UK's got to pay back-to-back pay-per-views. One, uh, Joshua White, two. That's the 12th, right? August 12th. And then, and like, two weeks later, they have to do that. That Usyk, Well, they don't have to, but Usyk. That kind of, God, I said it again. It, it's Dubois. I always fucking say Dubois now, because that was my buddy's name. But anyway, I think last week, John was correct by – I had heard it was going to be the zone. John was actually correct about ESPN+. Plus. That will stream live that uh, Dubois and Usyk fight. So at least we don't have to pay for it. It is what it is. Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, like, like I said, at least we don't have to pay for it. So that, that works for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really excited to see what, uh, you know, what's up with Haney. What's he going to do? You know, that, that's the key. And like I said, I, I don't know. I mean, will he have to sit down for a little bit? Someone sent me this that uh, Jan Santana. Yeah, I did see. Um, I saw his knockout. What is he, 8 no or 7 no? I think he's 8 no. He's a Dominican prospect. Shots out to him. He got the job done. Um, the thing is, you know, I mean, Tiafimo's already like, I'm the A-side, I'm this, I'm that, and it's like, oh, here we go, we're already A-siding it. Um, I did hear on Canelo versus Mel, September 30th, that Alexander Voshtik, he I saw it on Instagram that he's going to return to the ring, so that's kind of interesting. Um, international boxing news. Uh, per Eddie Hearn, as far as in September, some fights that could, three fights that could be in play, which not a big fan of the could be, possibly these fights, but um, Oshaki Foster, Rocky Hernandez, which is, uh, isn't that a still a mandatory? Montana Love, Richardson Hitchens, you know, that got postponed. I just hope it's done this year. 
Um, and then McCaskill, um, Jessica McCaskill and Sandy Ryan. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. It'll be interesting. You know, we keep hearing Eddie saying that he's about to announce. Maybe this week he'll announce. Because um, otherwise, not, and when I mean announce, you know, he said he's going to announce from August to December. So the, the last, because remember, he said after he lost Canelo that they have some this large amount of money earmarked and how he's, uh, you know, really wanting to close the year strong, clearly to zone and, you know, especially Matchroom, which right now with Golden Boy, you know, floundering, uh, they are kind of disowned or, you know, disowned right now. Um, it would, uh, they, they, they definitely need to, to close strong. There's no doubt about that. Um, Najee Lopez had a knockout on Pro Box TV. Someone sent me that. That is a good call. Um, here's some fun mail sport. Uh, according to mail sport, part of Connor Ben's defense in his UCAD case reportedly now centers around the arguments about whether he is outside of UCAD's jurisdiction because he gave up his license and whether uh, UCAD can rule drug test samples collected by VADA. So he's really trying to work with them. You know what I mean? That, that's what it seems like. Really trying to work with him. <laughs> um, oh yeah, Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith Part Two, September second. That is uh, that's that's happening. So there, there you have it. And it's Yoannis Tellez or Tellez. That's who. Sorry about that. I think it's Yoannis. Yoannis Tellez. I don't know, but Warrior Boxing was talking about him because Deuce uh, tweeted, Sergio Garcia fighting this dude is actually pretty crazy, though. Um, so out of left field, I don't, don't really know what to think about it. I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, okay. Um, but they said they believe this is Warrior Boxing, uh, something to consider about how big of a fight this is for Tellez. Garcia's losses have come from, you know, the world championship level comp with Fandora. Um, and Harrison. So, yeah, that's a big step up. That is a big step up. According to Fight Hype, Eddie here, Eddie Hearn, Eddie here, Eddie Hearn has revealed that Jaime Munguia and Edgar Berlanga is now in talks with official offers. Oh, God, here we go. The official offers imminent. Well, it's like, dude, why don't you say the offer? Just tell us when you made it. I mean, honestly, don't tell us. Right, but if you're gonna tell us, don't tell us that it's, the offers are on their way, bro. They're in the mail. It's like, dude, stop, man, stop it. Like, I don't know. According to the Boxing Voice, what up, Ness? That's my guy, um, Virgil Ortiz. According to Oscar De La Hoya, he tells. Um, you know, the boxing voice, that Virgil will be moving up. Virgil Ortiz Jr. will be moving up to 154. Um, all right, so here it is. Arnold Barboza Jr. has secured his release from top rank. Uh, that's what his manager said. Ricky, Rick, um, I want to this – this is him, Barboza. I want to thank top rank Bob Aaron, Bruce Trampler, and Brad Goodman for – Eight amazing years developed me into the one of the top contenders in the division. 
I also want to thank the crew at ESPN for the years for the years time. Um, I now look forward to that. Blah 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 blah. I know my accomplishments and all that. Now, Top Rank did their best to get Barboza fight three times um, with TFM Lopez, and he rejected them. And we're prepared to make the fight with Jose Ramirez. I want to thank Top Rank. This is his manager for allowing Barboza a chance. That type of thing, right? And then uh, I think Coppinger added on top of it, uh, Barboza's contract was set to expire in six weeks. And Top Rank did the right thing by the fighter by allowing him to talk to other promoters now in exchange for having matching rights for six months on any offer he receives. <laughs> so doing the right thing, I think that's a pretty good deal for them, actually. So I think it's more than that. By the way, another stoppage that I forgot to mention, Sandor Martin uh, won. He, he won. That's what happened there. He won. And he technically is the Mando, um, unless things change, unless Haney and Regis Pro, Pro Gray fight can get made. He's the Mando for Pro Gray. Uh, did it, did, did, oh, dude, there was that, that King, whatever the fuck, that King, King P thing, not the, not King P from Boxing Twitter, dude, I know, but that King something with the zone fights, hey, that's, dude, that, what is it, Ben Williams, it says, that body shot stuff, where the dude lifted his leg and shit, that, that fight, that shit was bad, dude. Uh, at Bed Fred, Bet Fred. Okay, that that someone said. Okay. Anyway, uh, Anthony Joshua on whether he'll become a heavyweight champion again. Winning is back. Winning it back is going to take a lot. It's going to be interesting to see much how much I got left. August twelfth is the test. Uh, it's so interesting for me now. What do I have left? What desire do I have? Like, well, I mean, how you feeling in, 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 in camp? Do you feel like you have something left? And Eddie did mention that, um, you know, he's going to look to make Alicia Baumgartner against Amanda Serrano. And if not, um, then, you know, I mentioned Cameron and Taylor winner because that fight's going to happen. Um, yeah, like I said, I really liked what I saw to Andy Cruz. Um and I'm not trying to, you know, crown him by any means. I actually didn't think he'd look that good for a few fights because of his style is kind of weird. Uh, and he's translating to pro much quicker. This is uh, Marcus Los Great, <laughs> uh, Gloves Off Boxing. American fighters must bring in capital letters more sparring from these Eastern European countries for their development. Not just their development, but um, if you're going to actually fight one, too. Um, you know, it's funny because Shakur it was actually trying to line up Linares, too. And exposing boxing myth, boxing myth, dude out here saying Martin and Haney are easy work while pursuing a fight with beyond washed Linares. He can't make this up. Yeah, Shakur's all over the place right now. Um... So Sports Radio 810 asked Canelo. Canelo was with Mahomes and who else? Patrick Mahomes, I know that. I, I can't remember who else he was golfing with in a tournament. But 
Um, the guy asked him if you'll fight David Benavides. He said, why not? Maybe in the future. He talks too much. That's not the way to make a fight. I don't pay attention. I do my thing. Just watch. Watch my career. Watch his career. I've done a lot in boxing. He also said that I never thought about it. They said that the other Charler wasn't ready, and they brought Jermel Charler to me. Okay, bring whatever. I don't care. And he also said today, happy birthday to Keno Alvarez, by the way. Um, he also said that I'll fight, you know, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I'll fight anyone, you know, type thing. Uh, he, he, man, when he says motherfucker, that shit makes me laugh. All right, so we also got the opening Bill podcast, Anthony Joshua. Um, this is Chris Andre Boxing. Uh, he said, I've just defended Anthony Joshua a lot over the years, but he loves to blame everyone but himself. Garcia, McCracken. Uh, then when Frog gets bitchy because Robin's his mate, people complain. Um, your best moments came with McCracken, show over respect, because this was the comment. Rob was too committed to the Olympic team, not the pro team. I gave Rob my best years, and now I've got to dig deep to get them back again. And he's talking about, uh, you know, his nose and shit. Look, at, all you got to know is about his nose. <laughs> and Frosch's nose, and that's how, what do you say? Oh, yeah, here it is. It, he said this to Boxing News. Um, Rob McCracken's a really good coach. The only thing I'd say is look at Carl Frosch's nose. He just didn't teach me defense. Rob was committed to the Olympic team, not the pros, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you could have left earlier, though, too. I mean, unless you had a – I haven't heard of the, the long-term deal, you know, the, the six-year deal with the trainer or something like that or eight-fight trainer deal. So you could have sacked them a while ago. Okay, so that girl that – or that female – uh, is she a YouTuber? I, I swear to God, I'm not shitting on her. I don't know. But the girl that put put her titties up, right? Um, so Eddie had a lot. Okay, so it's Daniela Helmsley. Hemsley. She popped her titties out, both of them, on display. And to be honest with you, what's her toes? Ebony Bridge. Is it Bridges? Ebony? She she almost had her, I mean, she had her titties out pretty close. She didn't have her nipples out all the way, but at weigh-in, she comes in a G, and I'm not complaining. She comes in a G-string. She's got her titties out. It's hard to keep her titties in. <laughs> They're going to be out, right? And it's right on the scale. So, yeah, she's not taking her top all the way off, but she, and I'm not ripping her. This is part of her, she can fight. She can fight. She's a tough son of a gun. Um, I'll just leave it right there. But my point is, you're already going down this little sexy, put the titties out. Anyway, Eddie Hearn. So Eddie Hearn's all, all of a sudden, Eddie Hearn, we need to disassociate ourselves from what it is, this, you know, all this shit. He's all, and like I said, I'm not saying I like it. I mean, I, I do like it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying, like, I don't know, dude. You're the one who brought YouTubers to DAZN first, right? Then you're like, ah, 
not so much. And then now you're like, ah, oh, that works, but just some of them. So the misfits and the king thing and the whatever the fuck, right? But he said we need to we need to basically he didn't like it. But it's like, dude, you know, you, Ebony's got her titties out, basically, dude. Basically, she's got her tits out at the waist. So what's the difference, dude? Now here's some good thing about Eddie. Supposedly, according to YSM Sports, shots out to Philly, YM Sports Media, Eddie Hearn declares that he will attempt to make better Bia versus Bibble after Callum Smith's fight. He's going to attempt it after a fight. Why do we need to know about this? Now, um, so Stanonius was getting jerked around a little bit here and there. Um he would have liked to known that, well, if, you, if, if Virgil on a Wednesday went to the hospital, then just call it a fight right now. Don't, don't linger into the next day because I'm trying to cut weight. Then when it was canceled, you know, they were jerking him around, having him wait for flights, making up, uh, you know, whether they're reasons or excuses from his side. He thinks they're excuses, saying they don't have the budget weekend the tickets or whatever because you know when you change the ticket the uh the takeoff time for your ticket usually is a charge unless it's emergency or something but um he said he basically got jerked around i'm not going to read the pages and pages and pages in fact i think fight hype if i remember correctly but there was some scenarios where they weren't getting back to him and and they were making up reasons slash excuses uh, allegedly, well, not allegedly. It sounds like they were doing it, <clears throat> but we don't know. I don't know. They said they didn't have the budget to like tweak it. Did anybody make money here? Like, I don't know. He, he feels like he got jerked around trying to get home, and they kept him saying, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll do something. We'll do it tomorrow, and we'll tweak it tomorrow." And then you know, one of his coaches he wanted to send someplace up. I don't know. He he said he had to figure it all out. And generally speaking, you know, some of that stuff should be handled by the promoter since, you know, they're the promotional company. that They're the ones who were hosting it. They were the ones who were promoting it. They've been, obviously, and that their fighter is the one that pulled out. So, oh, uh, boy. So, Roly Romero has now confirmed that he is intends to fight O'Hara Davis next. O'Hara Davis wants to be a fun sponge. Fun sponge? Um, so we're going to have to deal with this bitch ass. Um, he's ugly and all that. Then Ryan's next. That's what he said. So. Also on Broadway, Joel's uh, interview with the WBC press, <clears throat> Mauricio Suleiman. Um, and we, we did actually know this, I'm pretty sure. Um, but now we know for a fact that Benavidez, you know, when he won that interim belt um, for the WBC at 168, um, Canelo doesn't have to – doesn't have a mandate till next year from that date. So it's 12 months. So that would be March 2024. So that's a little tidbit, another tidbit from there. Um, so Oshaki, this is Boog Williams' great follow, by the way. Uh, Oshaki Foster is a free agent, so I don't think it'll be that. E- so I don't think it will be that 
easy for Eddie Hearn to make Rocky Hernandez by September 9th. Might have to order the purse bid. Yeah, that that's the one where it's kind of funky. Um, now, is it Sean? What the hell's his name? Sean Zatel or something like that. He came out with a video, or it was him talking, saying like, basically saying a variety of stuff. Um, he said about anyway that you know. It's kind of shaky that he pushed back the fight. He was mad because of the, the this is what he said, not me. He was mad because of the, um, because of the body testing and like a pain in the ass or something like that. But from all reports, um, like, you know, um, solid reporting and, and people in the know, um, like Jay bro and others, um, they say, you know, the, the, the testing never stopped. But he made some waves. Um, he made some waves. Let's put it that way. And he was saying he's arrogant. Um, and he thinks it's kind of shady or suspect that NUA uh, all of a sudden got an injury and he was complaining about Vada. But from the sounds of it, they've been testing for five months now. Um there was also uh, last year from Sean, after watching tonight, he's talking about anyway fight. Um, or I'm sorry, he's talking about the Leo Fulton fight. After watching tonight, Inouye's, Inouye's team might very well want to keep him the hell away from cool boy Steph. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he has a little built-up bias with them. I did see the interview where uh, he wasn't really receptive to his questions. Maybe he thought like he was getting blown off or something. I don't know. Or not, re- he was receptive, but maybe he wasn't receptive enough for him. Um, for Zatel, I don't know. But he did do an interview with them. <laughs> but this is, uh, um, Jay Bro. He says, so let's check the timeline. March 15th, anyway, tweets out about the drug testing showing uh, both samples A and B. March 21st, anyway, postponed with an injury. Eight days later, March 29th, the fight was rescheduled to July 25th. Testing never stopped. Been testing for five months straight. So, and, you know, dude knows what he's talking about most of the time, in my opinion. So, you know, whatever's clever. Um, we got a little bit more. Like I said, yeah, Jamal came out on a IG live, looked faded, looked troubled. I feel for him, but he said I gave that fight to my brother. Y'all mad because I gave that fight to my brother? You know, let me let me fight him. And he said after that, I'll fight him. You know, things. I don't. I don't know. It kind of seems weird though because like, oh, so you think your brother's gonna lose? <laughs> you know, I don't know, but. Yeah, he didn't look good. Let's put it that way. But you know, sometimes Jamal just says stuff, uh, especially if you're kind of lit. I don't. Allegedly, he looked drunk. I don't know if he was. Though. I have no clue. He did kind of look that way though. That's just my opinion. So you know, whatever. I hope he gets better though. Um, here's an interesting one on ESPN Plus. We already know um, that there's a fight card. What is it? The night before, or two nights before. 
um, on ESPN Plus. Um, the night is it two nights? I think it's the night before Spence Crawford. And they used to do this a lot, where they'd have a Thursday, Friday, or or at least a Friday card in Vegas. Um, but undefeated super featherweight Andres Cortez, nineteen and zero, um, is fighting Xavier Martinez, eighteen and one. It's a it's a ten round bout. It's going to be at the Pearl Concert Theater at the Palms Casino Resort, July twenty eighth. Um, Udika, was it Udika? I think it is, and Estrada are going to be the main event. So that's a good fight. I like that. Uh, I like that fight. I think that's a good fight. Um, I think what have we got? Oh, by the way, the WBC. Speaking of uh, world rankings, their rankings. Connor Ben has been removed. So take that, you know, how... Okay, I'll give... Carl Frotch did respond. I'm glad someone just sent this to me. Talk Sport is the source. Carl Frotch responds to Joshua. Why is he being so sensitive? If somebody's got a bit of constructive criticism, he should take that, especially someone who's recently been inducted into the Hall of Fame. He needs to grow up a little bit and grow a pair. And by the way, I fought in front of 80,000... Oh, sorry, he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> so box red gray for a variety of reasons, uh, <clears throat> is a, is a great follow and definitely a solid dude when it comes to this boxing shit, right? This is awesome. Jake Pollard, congrats to Jake Pollard who ended his 0-49 streak with a 39-37 win over pro debut dude, Luis, uh, Smithson in York Hall Saturday. Literally. Four only been stopped four times out of forty nine losses. The dude was a O of forty nine. He was ranked uh at, at Super Bantamweight, he was ranked eight oh seven out of over twelve hundred, twelve hundred and fifty eight fighters. Out of forty one UK <laughs> Great Britain, forty one Great Brits are ranked in the super bantamweight, right? according to this ranking. He was thirty seven. So shots out to you, Jake Pollard. You got a dub, dude. You got the dub. I hope there's no real uh, rematch or nothing like that. That, that would kind of suck. But like I said, um, happy birthday to Canelo Alvarez. <clears throat> um, yeah, Huey P. Shouts out to Huey. He's from my neck of the woods, just a little north here, uh, up north there, uh, not northern Minnesota, but up there in Fargo. A lot of people think Fargo is in Minnesota, but Technically, it's North Dakota, and that's how we talk up here, down there, and around in Minnesota, North Dakota. Um, technically, he says, because someone setback says, so if Haney fights Regis, should it be 75-25 split? What do you think, Shakur? Um, and Huey said, technically, WBC is about 63-27 with a 10% winner, assuming, assuming that goes to bid. He's moving up, has a relationship with, uh, they'll do 65-35 or 64 split on this if it happens, but also WBC can change rules as at their discretion, which that's a good point, and that's why I brought it up, because it's true. Um, coach Williams, anyone that has a coach in front of the name and then has this tweet is funny to me. Now Mauricio Solomon has confirmed Devin Haney, blah, blah, blah. So now he, he's going to, you know, it's mandatory. Uh, Shakur Stevenson. So 
Is he going to fight Stevenson or drop the belt and move to 140? What will Haney do? Fight Shakur or duck him and fight? It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. How is that equating to a duck? Come on, dude. Come on, man. It's just so weak. Josh Kelly um, is now number one WBO 154. And if Charlo were to be stripped or vacated, then Tim Zhu would probably be upgraded and the mandatory shot potentially would be Kelly. So that's kind of interesting. Um, we also have oh, Richardson Hitchens. TFMO doing all the punk-ass shit talking about him retiring. Come fight me all straight. All straight smoke you. Take the strap and send you to retirement for good. Clown facts. Let's make it happen. Okay. That's great. Um, oh, I do want to read this from David Lopez uh, at PR Lopez 0904. Just my, my two cents. This is the boxing Twitter segment part. It's a fair. It's a fair question to any boxer. Okay, hold on. Let me back it up. Just my two cents. It's fair to question any boxer in the last thirty years. And you probably go back further who isn't getting tested 24-7-365. But what's funny is how people pick and choose who they question. And yes, that is a real fucking thing. Real quick, that Rojas fight. I thought he was very composed early, jabbing really well at range, left hands to the body I liked a whole lot. He started adding um, a left uppercut. Along with the body work, I thought that Sanchez, was it Diego Santiago Sanchez? He was having limited success here and there. I thought the fourth round was actually pretty close. It, um, you could see uh, Sanchez, there was, I think he was going out uh, to Santiago, actually. But he started to cut the distance a little bit, getting off some clean shot. He may have done enough to win that fourth round, but other, other than that, uh, Frude, is it Frudis? Rudez, Rudez, I think they were calling him Freddy. But Rojas, um, he kind of got back on his jab, got back at range, using that uppercut. He did the straight left hand or the left uppercut. Um, at times, you know, Santiago's still getting some good, in, you know, in spots, some good inside work. Um, and, you know, it, I'd say like fourth and fifth round thereabouts, uh, maybe like near the end of the third, that limited success I talked about for Diego. I thought it seemed like um, Rojas got a little bit more responsible defensively, and then he started landing that one-two, um, landing the one-two really hard in the corner through in the tall. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, the first time he got past um, the fourth round, so he did at least get some rounds. And then speaking of Josh Kelly. Gabriel Corzo, you know, Kelly came out posturing a lot, jabbing, but posturing. Corzo was like in a high guard. It was very, very slow opening first few rounds. Um, In the fourth round, a left hook, uh, mostly to the head, but some to the body. And some, like, quick little shots that landed pretty heavy, um, you know, from Kelly. And then it kind of seemed like Corzo was kind of playing the spoiler with the high guard, not doing a whole lot. Um, but 
you know, for me, Kelly was obliging and not doing a whole a lot either, but throw some, you know, little combos or one shot at a time, maybe two-punch combo. Um, there was a point deducted in the ninth round for a headbutt, but really easy win for Josh Kelly. I didn't talk about that. I wanted to talk about that briefly. But there was there was a clip. I think I saw it on Fight Height. I think I saw it on Fight Height. And um, now it's on uh, it's on boxing scene. The article Spence reveals that coin flip will determine whether he or Crawford walks out last. And to me, that really shows you just how crazy those negotiations were. And hey, you nego- you get what you negotiate, right? And I'll always stand on that, right? Ten, ten toes down, for sure. But, I mean, Crawford, seriously, dude, that's how dug in you were? Like, you can't give Spence um, the clear A side the right to go last? I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. That shit's wild, man. I mean, seriously? Like, to me, that shit is crazy. Crazy, dude. Like you, that's how dug in you were. Like I said, the money that we heard before, I didn't know what to believe there 100%. I got to admit, you know, right off the bat, I didn't know for a fact. Um, I just didn't know. I didn't know what that $20 million we had heard about, 20 plus million that he was trying to get for a guarantee, was real. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was kind of in between. When I first heard the report, I thought, ah, I don't know. I don't need to ask for that kind of money. And the report said that, you know, the source said that he uh, he wouldn't go below 15. And they didn't want to go that high, you know. I think they got to as high as, was it, eight and a half or something like that. There has been a report by Coppinger that it's, you know, at least $10 million up front now. I don't know. But um, and then you know I when I did believe it is when it came out of Crawford's mouth because remember he said he's got the investors he won't say who the investors are but he's got the investors and so these two will put up you know this money will will we'll both get twenty five mil and that type of thing and it's just like I don't know it's pretty fucking shaky and it sounds like like we don't know if it was sixty forty or fifty eight. 42 or 50 50 or 53 i don't know but spence clearly went out of his way including not fighting anyone and going right back in negotiations and that might prove to be a mistake just being out of the ring again like that now we know the last few years he's uh kept more of an eye on uh you know staying around you know just not blowing up so much and staying um, more active, like as far as working out and eating better and all that. Um, but it was just weird to hear that. It's like, dude, you're not even going to fucking give him that. That's just wild to me. But here's uh this is, uh, was it, was it the pivot podcast? Here's what uh, Spence was talking about. Who's the A side? I'm the guy for sure. I'm the A side. He has the A side, and that's why we're going 
want to believe that I'm the big dog. We used to talk about ticket sales, talk about putting butts in the seats, all that. And he didn't want to believe it. He was like, well, I did this. I want these to do it. I did this. That's cool. We're trying to take this to the bank. That comes. <laughs> and that's so true. Here's another thing he said. Hang on, hang on. Oops. He's my dance partner, and I'm his dance Swallow his pride clearly. Um, yeah, let's do a little boxing Twitter segment, then we're out of here. Golden Boy doesn't have the budget for a plane ticket for Stanonius, but it's the PBC that's going broke. Okay, yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, Andre Ward, this is Jay Bro again. I think Stephen Fulton is going to take the shot well when anyway hits Stephen Fulton with a clean shot. That typically gets a reaction from opponents, and he doesn't get the same reaction. Fulton hits back. Now the fight is actually starting. That's a good point. Um, anyway, had some things to say here. This is Jay Burrow quotes. My impression is that he's he's used his feet the the full twelve rounds. He strictly uses boxing style coming to win. Um, but he also has a physical side too. He has stamina to go all twelve. He's definitely a powerful opponent. Never found an opponent like this. So I think it might be. To his advantage, I think he has the strength to win and to go all the way. I don't think I've ever fought anyone like Fulton, but at the same time, Fulton could say that about me, and that's very true. Now, someone recently said that, so, Mamba Guerrero, he said, does Zone charge, he asked, did the Zone charge anyone else 108.59 this month? He said, I'm serious. It's like they charged me four times the monthly amount, almost exactly twenty-seven thirteen. Wow, if that, I don't know if that's allegedly or not. This is this dude saying it, and someone sent it to me. That'd be pretty messed up. Um. So yeah, I think that's it for boxing. Oh, okay. Someone sent me this. Um. Okay, I'm gonna read this one. I think this dude is a clear, like, hypercritical PBC guy and Showtime guy and Heyman guy and Espinosa. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. Someone sent this to me. Inactivity head, uh, headed into big fights. Fulton, 14 months. Spence, 15 months. Charlo, 17 months. This is a PBC trend in particular and may be a reason that the stable has a bad record across promotional fights. Um, now... We can talk about cross-promotional fights and, and whatnot, but obviously with all these, whether it's PBC or not, it is case-by-case, case, right? So Jamal Charlo had a fight scheduled in January and got hurt, and it got delayed. So, um, you know, inactivity had to do with him being injured. Spence... Like, you can't even bring up Thurman recently. You know, I said this for a long time because I knew it to be true, and then he said it in an interview back, oh, I think in 2021, something like that. And now he's recently said it. Thurman could have taken a fight during the COVID stuff, but he chose not to. So some of this is a personal thing, just like Danny Garcia right now. 
he's trying to eye up Arislandi Lara. They're going to make that fight. He'll be inactive or whatever, but they're, they're older guys in their career. Spence, right? That's on him. He could have gotten another fight. Thurman, uh, didn't the WBC make that fight, him and Thurman? Pretty sure. Um, there was reports that there's talks about it or whatever. Spence is the one. Um, when we say PBC, Spence is the one who decided to do it. And I think he should, like I said, it may come to, back to bite him, but it is what it is. Now, Fulton, here's another uh, here's another guy that, like I said, this is case by case because Fulton was trying was gonna was probably gonna fight Figueroa and Fulton. That was gonna be the fight, and they didn't know what Inouye was gonna do for a while until he cleared out. You know, he, what he beat Butler last. He was saying, "Well, I'm either gonna stay here, I might go up, I'm not sure." And then finally, he's like, "You know what? I'm going up." And once they knew he was going up, then of course, you're going to take on the bigger fight and stay at your division, your weight division. But um, Fulton, for the rematch with Figueroa from a very tight fight, was going to fight in the first quarter, if I recall. I think that's that's right. He was going to fight in the first quarter, and he was going to go to 126, leaving the door open for 122. So, once again, it's kind of like you pick and choose when to say stuff, and you know, the, the overall point is fair um, on average, but the whole cross-promote, this is why they're having cross-promotional issues. I mean, a lot of people pick Fury over Wilder all three times. So the first time, sure, I, you could say stuff. The second time, the fact that he knocked him down and almost knocked him out, that did tweak the odds, clearly going to the third fight. So that's a cross-promotional one. That was big. Um, there's been others, obviously. We are about to get another one. Not necessarily cross-promotional, but Stanny Otis went over to the zone and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it was either going to be February or March. I believe it was going to be because that's when Figueroa fought. So he was going to fight, but he decided, you know what? I have an opportunity of lifetime to make probably the most money he's going to make fighting the biggest high-profile fight there is at 122 and at these small divisions, you know, below 135. So, you know, it, it's all about, like, he chose to do that because it was a great opportunity. Now, like I said, being out of the ring doesn't help all the time, no, but, you know, I, I think that you got to go fight by fight and to pick those three fights and a lot of people say that about Thurman, too. It's Thurman as well. And when you deny a fight, when they give you an opportunity, even though there's a pecking order, there's a natural pecking order in every promotional stable, you go back to the back of the line wherever your order is. So that's what happened to Thurman, you know. And he even talked about it. So, like I said, I, I understand what the dude's saying to an extent. But I also know, you know, he was the guy not long ago saying, uh, you know, that what would have Showtime, what have Espinoza and Heyman done to this once proud network of Showtime? And you know, as we know, Espinoza since he's been there, Showtime's been better uh, since he's been there on average than he used to be. Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Like I said, Monday we will definitely be back. Peace.